Instead of syncing your phone with iTunes, downloading an MP3 into your mobile device, you can stream episodes of MTR with the Stitcher Smart Radio app. Stitcher allows you to listen to My Take Radio via your 4G, 3G, or Wi-Fi connections. Downloading it is quick and easy. Head over to stitcher.com forward slash my take, and you'll even be eligible to win some money. Enter my take, all one word, in the promo box, and you'll be eligible to win $100, courtesy of My Take Radio and Stitcher. MTR Live starts right now. This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. What's up, guys? My Take Radio, episode 159, for Thursday, October 18th, 2012. Our call-in number is 347-324-3541. Again, that call-in number is 347-324-3541. You can also hit up our feedback line, 347-815-0687. That's 347-815-0MTR. You can always make sure to let us know that you don't want your voicemails played on air, we would really appreciate it. Also, you can listen to the show by using the call-in number and not hitting option one. You can listen to the show via speakerphone or connected via Bluetooth to your car, just another way that you can listen to the show. If you're in the realm of Facebook, you can wander over to our Facebook fan page, click the Mixler button, and you should be ready to rock and roll and listen to the show that way. We got a lot to get out of the way this week. Um, first off, and, and this is something that I was, I was actually having a good day. I was having a good day till about, I don't know, three hours ago. And usually when, when, when Rich is having a good day, it leads to him being extra happy on the show, which to make of it what you will, sometimes when I have a usually miserable day, it leads to some of the best shows. Why? I don't know. Maybe because my, my pain and suffering translate well through the audio. Who knows? Anyway, today was one of those days, so you guys are going to hear a lot of foul shit today. I'm letting you guys know in advance. There's going to be a lot of foul shit. Some people may get offended. Hell, some people may never listen after this, and that's, that's how it's going to be. This is how it's going to go down today. Anyway... First off, I want to talk about we are, of course, doing Breast Cancer Awareness Month events uh, in partnership with Coleman for the Cure. October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and if you visited MyTakeRadio.com, you will see that the site is pink. You will also see that we have our custom ribbon, which has been used in all our branding throughout the month, and you'll be seeing it in other events in the near future going, going forward. It's going to be our official ribbon 
custom created for MTR. Those of you that haven't seen it, you can see it on our fan page. You can see it on Twitter, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You guys know the deal. Anyway, in doing all this and doing our partnership with Coleman for the Cure, I figured that rather than just go out of our way and do like everybody else and just ask you for fucking money or try something disingenuous like, hey, buy our shirts and we'll donate a dollar. We decided to partner directly with Coleman for the Cure, allowing people to donate directly to the source. We're not involved. We don't touch the money. We don't do anything. All that we do is organize community events to meet meet and greet our fans, so to speak. And also, as always, just to raise awareness and preach community. And I say that in quotes amongst our fans. So we started the gaming this week. The first game was Marvel versus Capcom 3. We did that Tuesday night. Handful of guys showed up. We had a couple of good games. We played till about midnight. Had some good laughs. It is what it is. Very, very enjoyable. Um, a lot of great people donated. We're already over 500 bucks. I got to thank uh, Brian Bronx, the Fold family, um, a lot of our other listeners. I got to shout them out off the top of my head only because they were the last ones that came in recently that I can remember. Those of you that have donated, I've reached out to you also personally to thank you. Anyway, last night we were doing Super Street Fighter 4 Arcade Edition, which is a game that a lot of our listeners have. They all do. And the reason why I do the games from 9 to 11 is because that way people get home, they can unwind, play for an hour or two, and it's, it's, a, fu- it's a fun experience. We have a lot of laughs, and most importantly, we changed it this year to reinforce the fact that it's about community and did not make it mandatory for people to donate to participate in the community game nights. Be that as it may, logged in last night, ready to play. People were like, yeah, you know, we're going to be there, blah, blah, blah. Turn the shit on. Guess what wasn't there? Nobody. Nobody was there. Over 4,100 fucking fans on our page. 4,100 of you. And not a single soul. And then the beauty of that shit is that at least five or six people reached out throughout the day. Hey, man, you know, we'll be there or we'll stop through or I'll probably be on at whatever 930. Some people are like, oh, I'll be on closer to 1045, which is cool. And whatever people co-signing legit co-signing that I know off air to do it. And I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit that they didn't show up. But it's like. The ones that said they donate didn't, but didn't show up to play either. And this is the same shit that happened last year, which many of you remember led to a memorable tongue lashing of multiple entities. Multiple. I named names. I I shouted out people that fucked up. That's how it is. This year, we're going down the same path. And I was tempted completely tempted to not even do the community game nights. But then I realized if I do that, not only do the terrorists win, but most importantly, it's a disservice to our partners at Coleman for the cure. So I'm going to be a hundred percent upfront with you guys. You guys, you message, you email, you tweet me when you want us to do stuff. Hey, are you guys doing Comic-Con? Hey, are you guys covering this? Hey, are you guys going to E3? Hey, are you doing this? Are you doing that? Guess what? Assholes, the fact is that all this shit that you want MTR to do requires fucking money. And we don't ask our listeners for money. I took down the donate button for that reason. 
But the fact remains that in order for us to do all this, we have to get exposure and we have to get out there. So when we're doing something for a good cause, which also increases our profile, guess what? At the end of the fucking day, it's for us to be able to do this shit for our audience, for our listeners. And you know what? I go on the fan page, we post all kinds of stuff, I see countless likes, I see countless shares, and it's great. But you know what? 4,100 people, and I see the same 25 guys, and you know what? I thank those ride-or-die fans that do that for us. It's awesome, and I appreciate it. Guys like Jason Yates, Ben, who not only writes for the site, but is active on the fan page, Quark, Blade, I can, I can go down the list, Juan, I can keep going further down. Guys who I don't even know, Alex Reyes, Jay Santi, Andrew Zarian, regular guys that go on there and handle business. Gary Friedman, Spill Bag of Ice. I can just continually name names. And you know what the sad part is? It's probably at minimum 50 people. James Lee is always in there. A couple of other guys. Raven Hughes, who actually, he won the kick-ass shot glasses I sent out to him. Uh... Adam J. from Adam J. Photography. Danny from Royal Flush Magazine. People that I know are hardcores. They go in there. And you know what the funny thing is? James, James Lee brought to my attention, you know, that I beat up the fans. And it's funny because I do. And sometimes I do it for fun. But at the end of the day, this is the shit that we do, not just for us, but for you guys. Every, every bit of exposure, every event we cover is to increase our profile to give you guys cooler shit. And if it's too much for some of you to turn on your piece of shit Xboxes that some of you guys use to watch porn with Internet Explorer in the new update, it's a fucking shame. And those of you that run your little websites and your little communities and your little paint-by-number WordPress sites, I know who you guys are. Make certain to lose my email and lose my Twitter. Because I don't want to even fucking deal with you. N4G votes can suck a dick. Oh, comment on this video. Eat me. That's how that's going to go. We're not doing any of that shit. And everybody's going to be like, oh, well, Rich, you know, how do you expect the community to help you if you don't help them? What the fuck have they done? What have they done? What has the quote unquote community done for us? Jack shit. Maybe I got to start doing my videos in blackface to get noticed. Maybe we'll start doing that. Maybe we'll do shit like that. Maybe, maybe we'll start using props. Maybe we'll do like those guys at Comic-Con that took a cosplayer and made commentary about her boobs while streaming. Maybe we'll do that shit. There you go. I'm going to print out a mask of Ben's face and I'm going to do all my videos from now on as Ben and Handle. Maybe, maybe, it, maybe it's because we're the, maybe I'm the, the face of the company is the wrong color. And I'm not even saying it as uh, in a racial sense. I'm just being completely facetious and fucking around. But seriously, we got a YouTube channel. We got all this shit. We give you all this great stuff. There's 4,100 of you guys. We are over 4,000 strong. And it's the same 20 guys and girls. People are like, hey, man, thanks for posting all that great cosplay. It's awesome, you know. Girl, girl and guy cosplay. Thanks. I appreciate it. Good. I'm glad I give you something to jerk off to. Do you listen to the show? Oh, you don't. Fuck you very much. This is what it's come down to, ladies and gentlemen. And it's not me going to war with the fans. I love my listeners. I really do. I love the guys that share stuff and, and leave stuff on the page or hit me up on Twitter. 
But then there are guys that, you know, they only get at us when they want something or they want us to promote whatever shit they want us to shill. You want to know something funny? An hour before I did the show, I heard the guys from uh, Fight Insight Radio and they were doing an interview with Isaac Valley Flag from the UFC. You know what those guys did without even a, a drop of encouragement? They promoted Breast Cancer Awareness Month and what we are doing. Gary Friedman and Spill Bag of Ice can tell me to whip my dick out in front of a group of nuns and I will do it. You want to know why? Because they give a fuck about what we do. Same thing with Kevin Baird. We can go down the list. Born Stubborn Radio. Royal Flush Magazine. People that give a shit about what we do. That's, that's the beauty of it. That really is. I had one guy emailed me yesterday. And he was like, hey, you know, I know you guys are promoting breast cancer awareness, but, you know, it's also anti-bullying month. And um, I think he also mentioned something about domestic violence and changing your page to the color purple and all this stuff. And there were a couple of things. And, and, and he, he, he acknowledged that he'd only started listening to the show recently, but he brought that to my attention just because, you know, we're, we're championing one cause, but there are other causes going on. And I want to, want to acknowledge this guy personally. His name was Ben, too. So I don't want any of you guys to think that I'm attacking Ben that writes for us. This this was something this guy sent, and I'm not even attacking the guy. He goes, hey, Rich, you know, I started listening to your show recently after show 135, and I noticed you guys are doing stuff for breast cancer awareness, and I know you're personally affected by it, so I can understand why you're doing it. But I don't know if you're aware, but it's also National Bullying Month and also uh, Domestic Violence Awareness Month. And I wanted to know if you guys were going to be doing stuff for that event only because that's other stuff that's going on that you guys can share on your platform. Okay, let's get let's get into a couple of things with that. Breast cancer awareness, obviously, near and dear, has affected me greatly um, for obviously obvious reasons. It's pretty much shaped the person you guys listen to. And we did it last year. I wasn't even going to do it this year, but I figured... After talking with Joan from Coleman for the Cure, I figured, fuck it, let's do it again. That's why we're doing that. Um, National Bullying Month. I'll tell you why I'm not going out of my way to advocate National Bullying Month. Uh, The fact is that National Bullying Month or Bully, Bully Awareness Month is something that has taken center stage because of all the people that... That, that have committed, you know, all the young people that have committed suicide and all the crazy cases of bullying going on. Look, I got picked on growing up. I got picked on for being short. I got picked on for being chubby. Hell, I got picked on because my, my hair started turning gray when I was younger, etc., etc. The fact of the matter is that bullying is such a broad term now that for me to go out of my way to make people, you know, to make people fight for it, and raise awareness. You want to raise awareness for bullying? As parents, you got to teach your kids to defend themselves. You also got to teach your kids to speak up for themselves. You got to also teach your kids that they shouldn't resort to YouTube to share their problems. And that and that's that, that that's one thing that's become apparent as of late. Everybody goes on YouTube, "Oh, I live such a terrible life and I get picked on and blah blah blah." What instead of telling the internet which will probably bully you just the same. Why don't you walk into your kitchen and be like, hey, mom and dad, you know, um, I kind of don't like boys. 
if you're a girl or vice versa and take it from there and learn how to handle yourself and defend yourself. Bullying is fucked up. I agree. And, and kids committing suicide because of it is fucked up too. But it's also because so many of us watch these kids become completely soft and don't do shit about it. It's ridiculous. It is. And, and for me to devote that much time to it, I am, number one, not as well versed on the statistics. Number two, I'd have to find a charity to partner with, which requires work, which would require the involvement of our fucking audience. And number three, domestic violence awareness and, you know, purple ribbon and doing all that. I can't exactly do a a brawling for boobies event where some of the characters you end up beating up are women. That just kind of sounds counterproductive. It seems a little weird and and creepy for me to be promoting um, domestic violence you know, um, awareness, awareness for domestic violence, and the entire event is centered around whooping somebody's ass. Now you can say, "Oh yeah, well, you know, does it? What about breast cancer awareness? You know, you guys are using fighting to promote that." Yeah, because you're fighting to fucking not die from cancer, so it kind of has a bigger connotation. So there you go, Ben. That answers it. Thanks for the email. I appreciate it, but that's kind of where we stand with regards to that. Now. For the rest of the month, we do have other games that we're going to schedule. We may do Marvel vs. Capcom Origins. I know we're supposed to be doing a UFC fight night. Amazing Red is probably going to join us, etc., etc., etc. And we're going to do the events all the way till the 31st. Regardless of the turnout or how it goes down, I honestly am just proud to work with Coleman and the fact that they wanted to continue working with us. I'm proud to have raised over $500 already. Well, my goal was 1000 Well, I think we're at like 525 530 Those of you that have contributed, it, it speaks volumes of you, not just because you're doing it to help the show, but because you're doing it for a good cause. And for that, I appreciate it. Like I said, for the rest of you that are at the first, at the first sign of trouble, email me. Oh, why isn't the site mobile ready? Why isn't, you know, why isn't this taken care of? Or why hasn't the show been posted yet? If you're not here for our struggles, I sure as fuck don't want you around for our successes. Simple as that. That's it. We're going to keep doing what we do. You can listen. Great. You can't listen. Thanks for listening. Go about your business. For those of you in the quote-unquote communities... Gaming, especially, and I and I say that with with such disdain because the gaming community, those guys, they think that just because you slap some WordPress themes together and you copy and paste every press release that Capcom sends you, or I or shit that IGN posts that you repost on your site, that you're breaking news. Guess what? We don't break news here. We don't. We don't break news. We share opinions. That's what this shit is. We don't break news. I don't go and sleep outside Nintendo headquarters waiting to see if Reggie goes to a, to a jack shack down the block to jerk off, to cover it on the site. I don't give a shit. We're the guys that tell you if the new Pokemon game is a steaming pile of shit, even though other companies and other websites gave it nines across the board. That one movie that everybody says kind of sucks, we may like it, and we'll tell you why. Ben fucking met Ric Flair while he was at a a grocery store last night. Why he didn't ask him to chop him in the chest 
is beyond me. I don't know, but that's that's something we're going to have to talk about with Ben when Ben gets on the air. But look, I just wanted to get that out the way. The other thing I got to tell you guys, Stitcher is doing their Stitcher Awards. Feel free to vote for us. The links are on the fan page. You can vote for us if you want. You can, and if you don't, who gives a shit? But thanks anyway. Um, the Podcaster Awards are also going on. I think I shared links for that. If I didn't, they'll be in the show notes again this week. Feel free to vote for us, whether it's in gaming, entertainment, spoken word, foreign language, um, hip-hop documentary, whatever whatever categories you think we fall under, feel free to vote for us. It, it, it shows. We do see it. We do see the people that vote for us, and it's pretty cool. So figured I would share that with you guys. Get glue check-ins. You're doing them great. They hate us. They don't want to give us stickers, whatever. I was also asked if I'm going to do a Brawling for Boobies t-shirt. The answer for that is maybe. Only because the company that does our shirts, I really would like to donate proceeds to Coleman for the Cure from the sale of the shirts. And we can't come to terms with regards to resolving that. So that's why those aren't done. But I will tell you that there is a buried t-shirt. And I saw the design for that this morning. So those of you that are fans of Quark and Blades Buried or Quack and Blades Buried or Quack and Quarks Buried, whoever the fuck is writing it that week, be on the lookout for um, a very interesting shirt revolving around that particular segment. Um, (laughs) Oh, Slick, Slick. Slick wrote something in the the chat, in the live chat, which uh, is very interesting. But yes, there will be a Buried shirt. There's also going to be a new... Um, MTR shirt, which Slick knows about and Andrea and a couple of people know about, which is going to be very amusing. Um, yeah. Anyway, that's the deal with that. We are guest free this week and that's it. Oh yeah. Before, before I get into MMA this week, I do have to discuss one thing that was kind of amusing and I'll tell you guys why we were going to have a terrorist blow up the federal reserve early this week. And I'll tell you why I find this funny. This guy, and I guess you could put this in the opening monologue category if you wish. This guy comes over from Bangladesh on a student visa, lives in Jamaica, Queens, which is 10, 15 minutes from me. um, Takes it upon himself to conspire to blow up our Federal Reserve. He had also researched a couple of other potential targets, got over a a thousand pounds of explosives courtesy of the FBI and proceeded to drive a van to the Federal Reserve with the thousand pounds of explosives, walk across the street to a motel and try to remote detonate it with his phone. Now, here's the funny thing about this. And this has nothing to do with race, politics, any of that, because I don't talk about that shit on here because I'm pretty, I'm pretty open when it comes to that. But here's the funny thing. You come to our country on a student visa to get a better education and better yourself. But while you're here, you decide that you want to blow up the Federal Reserve. That is, it's just so crazy on so many levels. You can come to America and fuck our women and jerk off to our porn and eat our terrible fast food, but you want to blow us up. That's the shit that kills me. And the, and the funny part was the FBI was fully aware that this guy was going to blow up the federal reserve in the city. And they, they let him buy the explosives. 
They let him go to his. They let him go to the hotel room, and they were waiting. Like, ah, oh, this guy's not going to detonate it. He's not that stupid. And sure as shit, he's he's jamming on the phone, wondering why the shit hasn't gone off. Click, 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 click. Nothing. The worst part was he he videotaped his um his, kind of his acknowledgement that he did it. So he went. He parked the van. Went to the hotel. Turned on his little fucking flip cam, and he's like, "Hey, you know." My name is whatever, Abdul Aziz, whatever the fuck. And I'm taking full responsibility for blowing up the Federal Reserve because I'm a jerk job that came to this country to take advantage of all your benefits, but I hate you guys for it. So that's pretty much how it went down. And and I find it just amusing that the FBI just let this guy go through all the motions and then bagged him. And the funny thing is, he's 21 years old. You look at this guy, you would think that he is the lamest dude on the planet. But he was ready to become a martyr. He was ready to go and see his 7,000 virgins or whatever the fuck they say that they're going to do. Hardcore. Mind you, he's doing this after eating at our McDonald's and riding around in our subway system and, you know, watching our porn. So, yeah, we almost got shit blown up once again here in New York City. And nobody gave a shit. We gave we gave more of a fuck about Lindsay Lohan's pa- mother having the cops call to their house or Honey Boo Boo or the Yankees than the fact that a guy was going to blow up our Federal Reserve. So it amazes the fuck out of me. The world we live in. That the Federal Reserve was on like page three and shit. But Honey Boo Boo... Lindsay Lohan, the Yankees, the chick that A-Rod tried to hit on, were all top billing versus the fact that a guy almost blew up a fucking building here in New York City. Yeah, so I figured I'd share that with you guys. Anyway, we got some MMA to discuss. Ben is here to join us. So let's get the ball rolling because there really is a ton of shit. Had to break out the Pride Fighting Championship theme because Pride never dies. Some of the best fights in MMA came from Pride Fighting. And some of the best fighters came out of Pride Fighting and gave us a ton of exciting fights in the UFC. So with that said, let me bring Ben in if he is... uh... Ah, why does the switchboard show that nobody is on? That's weird. I know Slick is in there. Let me refresh this fucking switchboard again because clearly... Blog Talk Radio hates my soul. So, anyway, before I bring Ben in, I figure I might as well try and get this switchboard up and running because I don't even see that I'm on live, even though you guys are listening to me. So, Blog Talk Radio hates my soul. All right, let's try this shit again. Let's see if Ben is in there. Yes? No? Yes, he is. No? Nothing? Ugh. I got nothing. Either either Ben hung up or, yeah, I think Ben hung up. So let me try and move this shit over and I'll go through the rest of the MMA news until we get this stuff squared away. Because clearly, Blog Talk Radio's in memorable mode 
and wants to fuck up my night. So before I get into the UFC card, I want to talk about the Ultimate Fighter. And the reason is because the Ultimate Fighter is in the complete toilet. And the fight this week was passable at best. We had um, Igor Araujo from Team Carwin. He was taking on Nick Haran Webb from Team Nelson. Um, Very, very fucking lackadaisical fight. From start to finish. These guys, I swear, are fighting like it's made for TV. Like they know that they have to coast to get to the second round. There's no sense of urgency. There's no sense of, hey, I'm on national television. Let me make this guy bleed like a stuck pig. No, we're not going to do that because that's not what we're about. We're about ratings and trying to give people hard-hitting television. When I turn on The Ultimate Fighter, this is what I want to see. Dude's getting shit-faced, tearing up the house, coaches nearly coming to blows... And extreme, copious amounts of violence. You know what I'm getting? Lame high school humor, fake beef, and Roy Nelson's mullet. That's all I'm, that's all I'm getting. Tit. That is all I have to show for this. Roy Nelson's mullet and subpar fights. I'm sorry. It just, it just doesn't work. It doesn't work for me. And it's unfortunate because they're doing all this stuff to make it better. But at in the end, they're just making the shit worse. It looks like um, Ben is back. Let me try and bring him in. Let's see. Switchboard is spinning, spinning, spinning. Hates me. Hates me still. Ben, are you yeah. there? Yeah, you hear me? Yeah, I hear you now, dude. Blog Talk Radio clearly wants to All fuck right. me in the ass with no Vaseline this evening. But, um... <laughs> Before we even get into the pay-per-view, like I was saying, the Ultimate Fighter, this fight, did you even see this shit? Because it was fucking boring. I haven't watched the Ultimate Fighter in three weeks after the second episode. I gave it two episodes. I was like, let me let me give it two episodes. Let's see if it gets any better. It didn't. It got worse. And I was done after that. I don't understand why you pick these two coaches. I don't understand why you pick these subpar-ass fighters. I don't understand. I don't even. I don't even understand why it's on TV at this point. It's it's purpose. Like like I said, its purpose has been served. For its original purpose was to get prospects that were worth something and put them in the UFC. Outside of the bantamweight and featherweight season that was what like two seasons ago, um, there haven't been any prospects on the show worth anything because if you're a prospect, UFC has already got you. Like, they don't need the Ultimate Fighter anymore, so I don't even know why it's a show. Like, I don't even know why they're still putting it on TV. The ratings are declining. I don't even know who the fuck watches the Ultimate Fighter. Like, I'm seeing these, like, 625,000 people watch it. Who the fuck is watching this? Well, here's, here's something that I, that I really noticed that, that just tripped me out completely. It seems that the guys that are coming in are established fighters that couldn't make it or guys that know that this is their only in into the UFC, which is fine. I respect that. I understand that you gotta you got to find whatever road possible to get there. Same thing with WWE and Tough Enough. Same thing with NXT. We get it. What kills me is that the coaches bring absolutely no conflict to the table, which detracts from the overall presentation of the show. It doesn't make people hungry. Like, if you had Nick Diaz and George St. Pierre on that show, you know that those guys would want to beat the shit out of each other, which in turn would make their teams aggressive. They'd want to make their coaches happy. It looks like these guys, it's like watching a frat boy, a frat house. 
on, on, on the real world. That's what it is. It's the real world with fights. And the minute it took that turn, it started losing me as a fan. It lost me when the fighters got started getting progressively worse and worse. Like, outside of the featherweight and bantamweight season, there isn't, hasn't been a fighter that's came off the ultimate fighter, outside of maybe Michael Johnson, that is any real, real good. Like, these dudes, most of them are very good. But, like you said, the only way they're getting into the UFC is through this show. Because they're not good enough to get there just off winning fights because they're not that good. Well, the so other I don't even understand what the point of even having the show is. Well, the other thing also is that they're fighting on a lot of smaller promotions that are... And the funny thing is that you watch Inside MMA and stuff like that, and these smaller promotions are getting noticed. But guys realize that that sharpening their, their tools in the minor leagues can only get them so far, so they may as well play the reality game and get in there. How many guys do we know come in at 185 to get into the Ultimate Fighter, drop to 170? Ton of them. How many oh, guys do we know? Do, but dropped all the way down to 155. Yeah, guys that dropped to 55. Guys that guys that came in at heavyweight and dropped to light heavyweight, like Rashad Evans. And and that's the kind of shit I'm talking about. So the fact that this fight was completely fucking boring just blew my mind. I was like, wow, this is probably one of the most boring television fights I've seen. And then they started teasing for next week, and they're like, oh, you know, Michael Hill is accused of stealing. Like, that's your build-up for next week. Not the fact that the guy is fighting or... or no, the build-up is, who stole my shoes? That's my excitement for next I, week. Who stole my shoes? It's embarrassing. I will give them this. I will give them this. If they do the jones Sonnen season correctly, it can revitalize the show. Well, I'm but glad... I have a they're not going to. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because I figured it's a great segue to get into that. And right before we discuss the pay-per-view, a lot of people, and before you even comment on this, let me let me tell you something. And we've talked about this before. The, the MMA community, I, I swear, they're Jekyll and Hyde. They're bipolar, and, and, it, and it's insane. When John Jones was offered the fight with Chael, the internet collectively blew their load. When Jones said, I'm not taking the fight, everybody complained. Now that there's an outlet to not only revitalize the show, but also give us the fight, people are complaining. I saw guys, oh, well, what did Chael Sonnen do to become a contender? And before you answer that, because I know what your answer is going to be, the fact is, when Dana White announced his list of guys that draw money for the company, who was on that list? Chael Sonnen. When John Jones needed an opponent... Who was the first guy to pick up the phone? Chael Sonnen. How many guys that were quote-unquote contenders or major forces in that division that were marketable for money wanted to take that fight? Zero. Give the guy the fucking fight. You want to know why? Because I'll actually watch The Ultimate Fighter from start to finish instead of watching it on Fast Forward. I don't understand them. They, they forget that Dana White is in this shit for fucking money. He's not in this to make to to make friends or to or to become close with fans. He's here to get paid. And John Jones came to the realization, which we discussed before, that he needs the big money fights. And what better fight than the guy that earns in the top five for the company, regardless of, of ability? Am I wrong? Uh no, you're not wrong. My view on the fight, uh, 
so I don't think he deserves it at all. He doesn't? I've kind of, I've kind of softened my view on it. It's kind of like the boxing model. In boxing, this kind of stuff happens all the time. Uh, dudes will lose a, a, a fight in one division, a title fight in one division, and, and move up or down to fight someone else with a belt um, in another division. It's not as convoluted as boxing is, but my whole thing is this. If you were going to crucify John Jones for not taking the fight, then you get a build-up, 13 weeks of build-up. Him and, and if you heard the media call, it's going to people think that Chell Sunday is just going to like kill John Jones in talking. But nope, John Jones had him on hush mouth multiple times. Yep. If brought it, called him out on TRT. See, yeah, if you want to see this fight, you might as well just accept. First of all, Chell Sunday's going to lose, so all this is going to go away anyway. Thirteen weeks, you get to see the build up. You get to see Chell Sunday build the fight. You get to see John Jones build the fight. Hopefully. They do a good job with the fighters. Hopefully, I hope it's either. That's the way, that's the way to fly weights. I don't want to see anything above 145. That doesn't need to be heavyweights. If they do heavyweights, I won't watch it. I just, I just won't watch it. But, like, I don't understand how people, people, you wanted the fight to begin with. Yep. You're getting the fight. And you still bitch. Why are you complaining? That's what I, that's yeah, the why, shit. There's no reason to complain. And here's the, here's the best mm-hmm. part. Here's the best part. John Jones is getting what John Jones is fighting for. Money. You mean to tell me that yes. nobody is going to tune into this season and watch this fight? You're fucking crazy. Yeah, and, and, and only the one big issue I have is, frankly, the, the, the show is not starting to, I think, record to what, January? Yep. I think um, they could have still had him fight for us. I would have still had Chell was going to be for us, so I, I, I kind of feel like they kind of jumped the gun, kind of to try to save Tough because Tough is fucking horrible this year, and they know it is. Because so, they could have still had him fight for us, who he was going to be. I, I don't see any way for us would have won that fight. He was going to be for us. Get on the mic, do a promo, and then you could still do the Ultimate Fighter. But they kind of, in my opinion, they, because I, I think if they had done that, it wouldn't have got any backlash because he had won a fight. Well, they were that also. They also right. said that he was interviewed, I believe, in a video I put on the site. And they were like, oh, well, you're not fighting for us. Who are you fighting? He's like, oh, I'm going to fight before then. So I don't even know if that fight is completely off the table or what the deal is. I think that they're just going to, they may scrap it, like you said, because the Ultimate Fighter needs all the help it can get. But I wouldn't I wouldn't have mind seeing him fight for us at 205. That would have been a fun fight. Just like watching Bonner and Silva I... fight. I heard the fight was off. I heard it was completely off. Uh, from everything I've seen online, like they're, they're trying to put little nog, little nog in the fight. Like I, I think, the, I think that fight is completely off. Personally, it, it doesn't matter at this point. Let them do the Ultimate Fighter. Chelsea in outside of John Jones slipping and falling, getting into octagon and knocking himself out. It's going to lose. <laughs> and just move on from this. Like just, quite from just just move. It, it's going to be a good time. It's going to be a good time watching the Ultimate Fighter if they do it correctly and don't fuck it up. And, you know, just have a good time, that's all. Well, here's here's the other thing, too. I, Chael Sonnen and John Jones are going to are gonna bring the most out of their fighters. Even if you put in semi-decent guys in there, 
the fact that these guys genuinely dislike each other at this point, and the fact that you're being trained, you're training with one of the most elite fighters, one of the most dangerous guys on the planet, and also learning from one of the best marketers on the planet is is just an amazing experience because love or hate Chael Sonnen, Chael Sonnen is probably one of the best things to happen to this sport. Not because of his ability, but but because of how he knows to promote. These guys, you see these guys, Joe Rogan holds the mic in front of their mouth. Hey, man, you know, you did this fight. uh, I'd like to thank Jesus and my wife and my coaches and my training partners and Jesus and God is good. That's all you fucking get. You put a microphone in front of Chael Sonnen, he's like, yeah, I want to thank Jesus for allowing me to put on his robe to come out for this fight. I also would like to thank Moses for parting the Red Sea to allow my opponent to get here for me to whoop his ass. That's the kind of shit we need. We need theatricality. Because MMA's in that in that weird flux where you got real athletes and performers. And the performers need to educate the athletes. Um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's parts of, once we get to, like, the, 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 the pay-per-view, it, MMA is in a gray area between being an actual sport and being sports entertainment. Yes. And, and I don't see it saying that, like, things are fixed or anything like that. Nope. Well, not anymore, because they used to be a prize, but that's not the point. But things are fixed. I don't mean like that. I just mean certain things are done in a fashion that's not necessarily completely sport. Stephen Bonner had no business fighting Anderson Silva, but it happened yep. because it was entertaining. But you needed to but save that card to immediately. That it's not going to be a hundred percent sport all the time. Well, you also needed to save that card, dude, because when everybody went down with injuries, like shit, this card is in the toilet. So I applaud, I applaud Anderson Silva for taking time out of his busy schedule of eating Burger King and having Brazilian barbecues to whoop uh cory feldman's ass i mean you know <laughs> like, like seriously like that i, I love i like stefan bonner but there was a running gag on on twitter and, and bloodstain lane he had a, a couple of good ones you know it was like anderson silva fighting cory feldman anderson silva fighting john cusack like that's and, and it's funny but the fact is that if these guys wouldn't have came together this card would have been in the toilet Oh, most definitely. I don't, I don't have any problem. I, I really didn't have any problem with the fight because I, I saw it for what it was. Like back in Pride when Cocott was fighting, um, what's the wrestler? Uh, Dos Carlos Jr., uh, Alberto Del Rio. Oh, yeah, and when Alberto Del Rio got his head served on a silver platter? <laughs> yeah, like it, it's, a, it's a squash match. You needed a main event. You find a guy who was willing to take an ass whooping to, I don't know, retire looking like an idiot, and, you know, you get, you get, well, everybody got a check. It was funny because Alberto Del Rio, the, he, he comes in ready to fight, trying saying to himself, psyching himself out, like, yeah, I'm going to come in here and I'm going to give this guy some competition. And Crow Crop proceeded to tattoo his foot on the side of Del Rio's big-ass head, and I hadn't laughed so hard in a while seeing that, and that's what I missed about Pride, like shit like that. Like Bob Sapp just just getting destroyed by a guy who was like one fifty five, soaking wet, for for a payday. I remember. Oh, go ahead. No, I said getting destroyed by a one a guy at one fifty five for a payday. 
Bob Sap will do that now. Hey, you can just try Bob Sap will do that shit now. Shit, I'll fight Bob Sap. I'll fight Bob Sap for a fucking sandwich and three tacos from the Taco Bell dollar menu. I don't give a shit. Bob, Bob Sap, if he hits once, he's going to fall down and tap. That's what Bob Sap does. <laughs> which, is, which is amazing to me because that is a scary human being. He is, but, you know, Bob Sap, uh, Bob Sap is just out here making money. Promoters are going to pay Bob Sap. I don't know why you would pay Bob Sap, but they're going to pay Bob Sap to get hit once and fall down and tap. That's it's it. like 300 pounds of muscle, and he's not going to do anything. <laughs> well, let's go Let's go through the through the rest of this um, UFC card. Um, I just want to go and, and okay. pluck out a couple of fights because there's no necessity to beat all of them up. But I will. I will say, yeah. first off, Damian Maya impressed the shit out of me in his fight against Rick Story. That guy, he squeezed on that guy's neck so hard that just a fountain of blood came out of his nose. It was ridiculous, and it was awesome. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was a nasty neck crank. A nasty, nasty neck crank. I used to say things like, I don't want to hurt my opponent when I, uh, when I, when I dude, that was straight up, you was trying to hurt him. <laughs> oh, it was, you it you was, don't hit neck, neck crank like that to not try to hurt somebody. That was, that was vicious. Well, the crazy thing was that you can just see that the guy's face was turning burgundy. You know what it looked like? You ever watch those? You ever see those commercials for maxi pads on TV where they pour the red liquid into the pad? And they're like, we're pouring yeah. this liquid into the pad. Look at its absorbency. The octagon mat was the pad and his nose was the red liquid. I was like, holy shit. It was ridiculous, dude. Yeah, it it was that. That was a nasty. You know who I want to fight? See Damian Maya fight? No, Nick Diaz when he comes back. That would be a great fight because I don't think he'd be able to tap Nick Diaz. That would be a really fun fight because they're both nasty with jujitsu. The only problem with that fight is Damian Maya can't sell it. Like Nick Diaz thrives on dudes that he just does not like. Like you know Nick yeah. Diaz and Josh Koscheck. Or Nick Diaz. Yeah, that would be a good fight. Yo, Nick Diaz and Josh Koscheck, I think the world would implode with the shit talking. <laughs> like, Josh Koscheck may actually get himself punched after the bell again by fighting Nick Diaz. Like, people don't realize the reason he got punched after the bell is because he was being a dick the entire fight. Like, <laughs> Dude, he, he said something about the guy's he was mom. He saying stuff to him. Yeah, he was saying stuff to him while he was on top of him, like, saying all sorts of crazy things to him. Like, I, I mean, I don't condone punching him after the fight, but I can understand why Paul Daly felt compelled to punch him after the fight. There you go. Uh, Phil Davis and Wagner Prado was awesome. Phil Davis coming into his own at 205, definitely making a statement. I think that he is he is in a good place where he can really make a run for the belt maybe after if he has two more solid performances. I'd, I would like to see, you know, um, maybe a Phil Davis-Rashad Evans rematch. Um... That'd be a good fight. I don't think they'd do it right away. No, no, no. I but I think that was like one fight ago. But um, I mean, I would like to see him fight uh, Dan Henderson. I think he would beat Dan Henderson. I, I, I like Phil Davis. I don't think I don't think he's he's ready for like a John Jones yet. No, not yet. Because uh, his striking is not uh, it's not horrible, but it's not it's not good enough to keep someone like that off him. But like put him up against a guy like Dan Henderson or somebody, somebody that he, a, a, a real top ten name. Because I mean Wagner Prado or Wagner Prado, how you say how you say his name? Um, he was more or less like a grappling belt. 
Like that looked like Tuesday night grappling class. Like <laughs> just just the way he was just tossing them around and like the way he, he locked up that, that gator roll into the anaconda choke, like like dude, like he was telegraphing the hell out of that. He has his arms around your neck, you're not gonna defend that at all? Oh, okay. Like, well, I gotta give I gotta give a round of applause to, to John Fitch for not only delivering an exciting fight, but a decisive fight. You know, everybody we all you and I talked about Eric Silva Everybody was saying Eric Silva's, you know, he's a beast. Dana White put up like a highlight video about him. It's like, dude, the boss is putting up a highlight video about this guy. So, you know, shit was serious. But John Fitch didn't let it phase him. He went in there and he handled his business, which I, which I applaud him for. And not only that, but he just took the opportunity to remind people that, yeah, you know, I'm a grinder. But I, I can give you guys an exciting fight with the right opponent. Yeah, I mean, his fight with BJ Penn was a great fight. Oh I mean, hell yeah! That last round was ten eight. That was a ten eight round. That was that was a beating. Like he beat the hell out of Eric Silva, and it it was it was that was a great fight to watch. Eric Silva. Uh, I mean, most people would have tapped that uh, <clears throat> that real naked choke that Eric Silva had in the second round because that was that was deep. That was a full on choke. So, I mean, that was a great fight. It deserved fight tonight. That was that was great. I mean, I, I want to see. I mean, people forget John Fitch might be when it's all said and done the second best welterweight in the world. Like, this dude has lost two times in nine years. That's right. One of which was George St. Pierre, and one was like a, a one-second knockout by uh, Johnny Hendricks. Like, that's it. Like, people forget about him, but he might be the second best welterweight in the world that just no one cares about. Yeah, Glover, Glover Teixeira also made a case for himself at 205, man, with, the, with just the, the, the hamburger patty that he made out of Fabio Maldonado's face. That was that was ridiculous. That it's not often that you see a doctor stoppage due to excessive facial damage. Like you see it usually for cuts like above the eye line or for cuts in that uh, above, you know, above the head that are that are just gashes that you can see your, you can see somebody's brain pan, but this was ridiculous to the point where he he beat this guy the way you pound out ground beef when you're making meatloaf. Dude, uh I saw that fight with my girlfriend. And normally my girlfriend, she'll sit and watch fights with me, um, you know, to I do other boyfriend things. So she has to fight, watch fights with me when I got to do other boyfriend bullshit. So, right. <laughs> to placate, okay. to placate so you. I understand. We're watching this fight, and she's like, why aren't they stopping this? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, it was like, <laughs> um, who was the re- referee? Um, it was an Asian-looking dude. Um. Oh, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know you're talking about. It wasn't Mario Yamazaki, no. It was. It was. It was Mario Yamazaki. It was. His brother was on the car too. For now. I, it was. Yeah, it was Mario Yamazaki. Oh, okay. Does, does he have something against Eric? Sil- um, not Eric Silva. Uh, Fabio Maldonado. Like, <laughs> damn, dude, you were trying to kill him? Like, there was he. He was done. There was in that first round and the second round. Maybe after the first. 50 punches that landed flush. Good opportunity to end that fight. Like, are you trying to have a death in the ambient? Like, there was no reason for that fight to continue. Like, he wasn't doing anything. And, like, I, and like if anyone who calls himself an MMA judge scored that anything less than a 10-8 or anything more than a 10-8, you don't need to be judging fights. That was borderline 10-7. Yeah, that, that was, a, that was a 10-8 fight. Definitely 10-8. Yeah, well, I, I gave him a 10, like, because I, like, I scored sometimes. Like, I gave him a 10-8 <laughs> just because of that punch he landed at the end. But, dude, I was thinking about, 
like when I when I was watching, I'm like, damn, that could be a ten six. Like you, that's not not to get all heavy, but MMA, the UFC is long overdue for a death and gun. I'm not even trying to be. <laughs> I'm not trying to be. Um, no, I know what you're saying. Morbid, but it's gonna happen. And it looked like Mario Yamasaki was trying to go ahead and let that happen. Like, it wouldn't surprise me if fucking, um, Maldonado has, like, bleeding in the brain. Like, dude, you don't let another dude, even if he keeps getting up. At some point, you got to be like, nah, dude, you good. Like, you, you just can't get beat up like that and just be like, nah, no, nah, let, let him keep fighting. Let him keep fighting. For what? Like, he's not going to win. He's falling down every time he gets touched. The cage is the only thing holding him up. Nah, you're right. The end of the fight. It, it, it was, it, it got kind of hard to watch and like I like violence and I got hard to watch because it's like like watching someone torture an animal like dude chill out it's no it was a, it, bad MMA referee no it was it was a crazy it was a crazy fight and then you go from that you know to to Nog getting the arm bar which got him you know a nice little bonus and then of course you needed you needed some of those other fights because obviously Anderson Silva proceeded to uh, pull a Neo teleporting into Agent Smith and exploding on Stefan Bonner because that's pretty much what happened. You just saw a knee to the sternum and Stefan Bonner folded like 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 a fucking like a deck of cards. And I felt bad not because Stefan Bonner's a bad dude because he's a, he's a cool dude and and he loves going in there and just and just getting bloody and and giving the fans good fights. But he said it like shortly after. He's like, dude, I was in awe of Anderson Silva. It's like it's like it's like fighting. It's like, it's like fighting the strongest fighter in the universe at this point. And that's not even saying it because Anderson Silva is great. It's just saying it because he's a guy that has jumped from one weight class to the other and just mercilessly beat people down. Yeah, like... It, the, when he dropped his hand and leaned back against the fence, I was like, nah, he, he ain't about... He's not about to do that. He's not about that. Nah. He, he straight up just He's like, not about that life. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was like, he's not about he's not about the bad life. He's not he's not about that lean up against the fence to let someone punch you in the face life. No, you I know, like I like that he dodged the kick. <laughs> he let he let poor Stefan Bonner kick the cage like, yeah, you just did that. Like he just stared at him like, Yeah, I moved out of the way. Yeah, you kicked the cage, and now I'm fucking you up. Like, like I was like, Holy it was, shit. It was, just, it, was, it was just ridiculous, like there was, he let Stefan Bonner punch him full blast against the fence. Yep. Multiple times and just stared at him like, yo, what are you doing? Like, this is not, this ain't going to end well for you because at some point I'm just going to decide to fuck you up. Well, I liked, I liked the fact that, that no, what I was going to say was I like that Bonner attacked, you know, like some of these dudes, they come in and they're just so dumbfounded, like, holy shit, you know, I'm fighting Anderson Silva. Stefan Bonner's like, ding, 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 I'm just gonna run forward and keep hitting you till you stop moving. Like, I applauded that. Like, I was actually rooting for that, because he came out of the gate like Chael Sonnen came out of the gate, you know? And that's the only way you're yeah. you're gonna even get close to, to doing that. Yeah, I mean, he, he had the game plan. He If you find Anderson Silva, that's why I that's why I personally think there's only maybe two people in the world that really can beat Anderson Silva, and that's Chris Wyman and, and John Jones. Because you have to make the fight ugly. You cannot just be standing there with Anderson Silva because he'll nope. fuck you up. <laughs> he will fuck you up and make you look stupid. I like hundred thousand people. I like the way I like the way you close that out. You're like he will fuck you up because that that's all it was, dude. But again, 
He saved that card, and and people knew. People knew how it was going to end. But but you know what? Yeah. It, it it was all good in my book. Like those guys, like Anderson Silva got himself a nice little paycheck. He could chill, and mm-hmm. you know he he collected that money. Yeah, that's that's how I thought about it too. Like when I first saw it, I was like, yeah, they're definitely just trying to save this card. Like that's all they're trying to do. Because if they really wanted to make a competitive two hundred five fight, because no one ever actually talks about this, but Anderson Silva. It's not like he's not that he's scared of anybody at 205, because I doubt he is. And like he's trying to jump up the fight. The Leota Machida and, well, he beat Dennis, but John Jones of the world. This dude fought James Irvin, Forrest Griffin, and Stephen Bonner at 205. Well, he was exactly what they were doing. But there's a there's a joke saying that if, um, if and and this, uh, this is something that we'll discuss in the, in, in this, in the news, they... Um, yeah. You know, Machida may drop to 85, and they're saying that since Machida's his boy, that may actually push Anderson to go up to 205 to not fight his boy. Um, That the, would be interesting. I don't think it's completely true, but it, it, it that would be very interesting. I mean, I'd be interested to see how full-time really not being out of... Because Anderson Silva, when he fights at 205, is out of shape. Yep. Like, he's not in any kind of shape. So I would be interested to see if he really wanted to move to 205, what it would look like. And also, I mean, he stated a bunch of times, I don't want to fight John Jones. John Jones ain't going nowhere. So if you go move to 205, he's still there. That's what I'm saying. So, like, I mean, but, yeah. But with that said, let's uh, let's go through the rest of the MMA news. I think I forgot to tell everybody that MMA is brought to you by MMA Warehouse. Get all your favorite gear at MMAWarehouse.com. You can check out the banner on MyTakeRadio.com. In some Bellator news, Bellator 77 takes place tomorrow. Um, We got a couple of lightweight tournament opening fights. Uh, Rich Clemente's on that card. Marcin Held is fighting on that card, which I actually am looking forward to see fight. Uh, We got a couple of of great prelim fights, and those are going to be on Spike.com. So I'm actually really pumped for that. Mostly, like I said, just because the lightweights deliver great fights and Bellator stepping their game up as they make their push to debuting on Spike TV. Which, it's funny because they're going to also start doing more women's MMA. They actually announced a rematch between Felice Herrig and Michelle Gutierrez for Bellator 84 in December. Mind you, we're, we're, still, we're still dealing with Bellator 77 and they're already starting to put together 84. What's interesting to me is don't 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 isn't Zoe or it's Zoe Gurgel Gurgel um their women's champion like oh yeah Zo- she won her belt like three years ago Zoila like, Zoila Fro- like, yeah Zoila Frosto yeah Zoila Frosto I think won the belt at 115 pounds but I don't think they got yeah. they got women that are willing to fight at 115 so I don't know what the deal is with that but that is true funny thing is. You know, you got Invicta crowning champions at 125 at atom weight. Yeah. So it, it definitely is weird, but I'm glad to see Felice Herrick fighting on a on a bigger promotional stage because she, she's a solid fighter. She's fun to watch. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I like I mean, I mean, like seeing chicks fight. I mean, I mean, Bellator was one of the first, before even Strikeforce was really out there um, putting on women's fights. Bellator was putting on women's fights. Uh, they stopped. Um which I didn't particularly understand because you crowned a champion and then didn't have her fight for you for like two or three years now. So, but you know, um, I'll be interested to see what, what they do. 
uh, with the women's fights because, I mean, it gives Invicta some uh, competition. Uh, Invicta right now is cornered the women's market. I mean, Strikeforce may or may not exist anymore. So, you know, it gives the women a couple different places to go. Well, on the, on the subject of Strikeforce, we know that their November 3rd card got canceled after Frank Mir dropping out, Rockhold getting injured. But in some strike for, in some other Strike Force news now, UFC news, Jake Shields got popped by the uh, Colorado Department of Regulatory Agents Boxing Commission for ba- a banned substance. They didn't say what the substance was, but he's suspended for six months for violating the regulation. Now, honestly, a six-month suspension, it could be anything from a diuretic to a fat burner. I don't think it's weed. But I don't think you know. I don't think it's something serious enough to where people are going to go crazy. But you know, he he apologized, he accepted the suspension, and he's on the shelf for a while. But it's funny because in Jake Shields' case, he's got a he's got a good fan base. You know, he dealt with personal tragedy with with the passing of his dad, which I know fucked him up as much as he tried to go in there and fight. I know he was done. So maybe you know, maybe he took yeah, a I fat burner to help him cut weight. You know? Yeah, I mean. I, I I don't know what it was. It's probably I mean for it to only be six months. If it was a real steroid, it would've been a year. I mean, Fasia, I just got a year for, I believe, a Roid. So I mean, if it was a real steroid, it'd been a year. Um, well, well, Matt Riddle got popped too with, for marijuana, and yeah, Francisco got popped, Rivera me, got popped for. It doesn't surprise me at all. Matt Riddle <laughs> got popped for being Matt Riddle. Like, <laughs> it's fucked up. He that that was like the most fun, surprising pop I've ever. That's like when they said Diaz had weed. Like, I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I mean, this is Matt Riddle being Matt Riddle. <laughs> well, Overeem, they're saying now, coming off his suspension, he's going to get a shot at the winner of JDS and Cain Velasquez um, in either March or April. And a lot of people are like, oh, you know, it's fucked up. He's coming off the suspension, and he's going to be challenging for the belt. But let's be honest. Who, who, who else is going to do it? Who else is going to make money for the heavyweight division right now? Other than those three guys, it's not, it's not even about making money. Who else in the heavyweight division is fucking with these three dudes? Thank you. Like, there's three dudes in the well, four if you count Daniel Cormier, because I think he can give somebody to do. I think he can pull the ball. There's four dudes, and if you just count UFC, there's three dudes. That's it. They yep. go round robin and beat the hell out of each other. Because who who is messing with these three dudes? You're not doing nothing to Alistair Overeem, Junior Dos Santos. You're not doing nothing with. And Cable after is it's a scary dude. Like these three dudes, that's it. Like I, I don't even. The heavyweight division is incredibly shallow, and people complain about this. Like, okay, so what do you want them to do? Like, give give a title shot to uh, Stephen Struve? No, 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 no. Hell no. Like, not yet. Like, I don't personally. I if if John Jones was gonna move up to to, to heavyweight for like a, just a one off fight, like Anderson Silva. Shit, I'd throw him in there with Stephen Struve just to see Stephen Struve fall down in sections like he does when he gets knocked out. Nah, I'd like to see <laughs> I'd like to see a, a stand up war between John Jones and Pat Barry. Because Pat Barry's my boy. I don't even think that would be a stand up war. I, I, I honestly believe <laughs> John Jones would just not even be fucking with that. Like, dude, you're not kicking me in the legs, I'm taking you down. <laughs> like, we're just not playing this game. <laughs> that's the that's the only and fight. I wouldn't blame him in a second. That's the only fight I do want to see. But to wrap things up, it, news that will make you very happy. During the conference call, uh, uh, the FX programming director said that the next season of The Ultimate Fighter, conveniently enough, will be moving from its Friday time slot. Shocker there. 
first of all, it, it should. Why do you even put it on the Ultimate Fighter? When it was on Spike, it was on Wednesdays, right? It was on Wednesdays because it came on after Raw originally, so it was on Wednesdays. There you go. But that's why, whose idea was it to put it on Friday in the first place? There you go. But yeah, that's that's what they figured because they wanted to all use the the whole Friday night fights, you know, spin move to get people to watch it. But fact is, Wednesday is fine. They're saying that the announcement is probably going to be announced between the next 30 to 45 days. And then the guy said, oh, Spike TV needs to watch their ass because obviously Spike TV is getting Bellator and they're also doing their own, you know, reality ish show to tie into Bellator. And it's like, look, dude, why, why do you even got to not let Bella leave Bellator alone? Worry about yourself. Because the UFC, like always, is trying to kill a promotion. Like, <laughs> no, no, no. But I'm just saying, like, worry about taking care of the Ultimate Fighter when you only got less than a when you got almost five hundred thousand people barely watching it. You know, you got six hundred and forty-seven. I think it was for last week. It's like you guys are barely clearing half a million people. I wouldn't be talking any kind of shit right now. Move to the I mean, other day. I mean, even with those numbers, they're still smacking around Bellator's numbers because, I mean, they're on MTV2, and nobody's watching MTV2 for MMA, which is sad. Yep. So it puts on some really good fights. But, I mean, it it doesn't surprise me they called out um, Spike TV because since they've left Spike TV, Spike TV has tried to counter-promote the UFC, uh, throw their own, like, the UFC's own product on during UFC cards. Yep. Because uh, Spike TV, I think, still has rights to it, to it, to like some old unleashes until like uh, 2013. Like, so it doesn't shock me that they're throwing shots at them. But I, I, I mean, I don't think it's necessary. Yeah, but that's but that but you're throwing shots and your and your product while good and yeah, it's beating Bellator is good because you're the only game in town at the moment. You know what I mean? Like, like you're on a decent network. You got decent traction right now. Fox is going to promote the shit out of you. Don't 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 talk shit yet. Talk shit in January when you drop the new season. Not yet. Just just move it to another time slot and let it be. That's all. That's all Personally, I'm saying. I think they should move it to Big Fox. Like I think they should put it on Fox Fox, not FX. I think Fox, Fox 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 would be awesome because you could sell lots of advertising. Yeah. They, like, whenever there's a UFC, I guarantee you, because um, of the Simmer X card, that's going to be advertised like a motherfucker doing football. True. Like, like it's going to be on the sidebar. It's all over the place during football season, and that's what you need. Because if it's on FX, a lot of people that watch FX aren't watching for sports. Nope. And I know, I know why FX wants sports programming, because I think their main competition is like TNT, and TNT has an NBA. So now FX has Pac-12 football games and – the UFC. Oh. Not that big of a deal. So, you know, That's I don't know. Like, they, the, the the way Fox is using the UFC is to build up FX and fuel, and I don't think that's the way to go about it. No, but, I, I, I don't either. Who has fuel? <laughs> I don't either, trust me. But at least at least we they're listening and they're doing something, so we shall see how that pans out with um, Sonnen and Jones and also just with the move but we got Bellator tomorrow, which is good. And then, of course, I, I believe we got the other card towards the end of the month. So we should be all good. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. 
that wraps it up. Of course, you can follow Ben on Twitter at Blackout89, B-L-A-Q-O-U-T-89. Of course, you can also hit him up on our Facebook fan page, and you can comment on any of the MMA posts that Ben puts up as well. Anything else you want to add? Uh, nah, man. Um, just read read our stuff. Actually, comment on something of mine for once. <laughs> there like, you go. <laughs> that's See? great. Like... <laughs> See? See? Yeah. See, even Ben is starting to feel it. Even Ben. All right, brother. Well, thank you yeah. for helping us out with the MMA segment this week, and I will get with you later. All right, man. All right, man. Peace. All right, peace. All right. Let's get into some wrestling. We have lots to discuss. Bound for Glory. We got Raw. We got more Hogan sex tape shenanigans. We still got gaming. We got what the fuck movie news. Let's not waste any time. Booker T, take it away. We want the gold, sucker. Hulk Hogan, we coming for you, nigga. Feed me more. Feed me more. All right, TNA, Bound for Glory, their big signature pay-per-view, which I had big things in mind for this card. I was super pumped for it. And then as it started coming together, I started to get more and more and more let down. So I want to pluck out a couple of things to discuss and get into Raw and also some of the other wrestling news. But overall, if I had to rate the card on a scale of 1 to 10, I'd give it a 7. Number 1, because of the Zima Ion, Rob Van Dam match. Primarily because I felt there was no build-up for this, but it's nice that they took the belt off of Zima Ion, who at this point doesn't need it because he's such a great heel, and put it on RVD. You're putting it in the hands of a veteran and a guy that can work well with some of the other high-flying talent in the X Division. The TV title match, they, they kind of went back to the feud with Samoa Joe and Magnus, which is okay, only because those guys, they work well together, especially Magnus, he's coming into his own, but... Samoa Joe, it was very academic. He had a lot of great offense in that match. We got to see uh, Rings of Saturn. We got to see an STF. Just some really great stuff. We got to see figure four submission. The choke, of course. Samoa Joe retains the TV title via submission with the choke. Solid match. Magnus is coming into his own. I see big things from this dude in the future. And the match delivered. The one match that I felt kind of let me down a little bit was James Storm and Bobby Roode. They had King Mo as the special enforcer, obviously. King Mo, who is signed with Bellator and TNA Wrestling. Two-sport athlete, basically, if you want to classify pro wrestling at this stage as a sport. But King Mo, his involvement was minimal. The match itself was a great street fight. The only thing I didn't like was that it didn't use that old, you know, come in street clothes for the street fight. Like, these guys came out in ring gear and... Just a, it's a subtle thing that kind of just annoyed me because, you know, you come out and you're going to get into a legit street fight with a dude. You should just come out in, in, in jeans and a t-shirt ready to fight. These guys came out in full ring gear. And like I said, it just took away from that particular aspect of the match. Overall, though, it was a solid, it was a solid match between both guys. There were a lot of great spots involving the thumbtacks. Um, Robert Roode gets my respect for, for not only eating the thumbtacks once, but twice. He had a spine buster on there. He ate an elbow while laying on the tacks. It was, it was ridiculous. It, 
one of those the the funny thing is that James Storm and and Robert Roode, you take these two guys, you put them in the in the WWE, they'd be relegated to the mid card at best. Here in TNA, they've been former champions, and not only that, they have such amazing chemistry that TNA can build a long term feud with these guys if if they book it correctly. I mean, Robert Roode, I there's months where I like the guy, there's months where I can't fucking stand him, but. In this particular instance, he's doing a fantastic job as the heel in this feud. Al Snow and Joey Ryan, anybody who thought that this match wasn't going to end with Joey with Joey Ryan winning is a fucking idiot and doesn't know wrestling. We got to see the return of Matt Morgan, who will now continue to show up on TV and be completely fucking boring as usual. I'm sorry, they booked Matt Morgan like he's the shit, and he's he's alright, he's passable at best. He's not, you know, he's not making, he's not making waves. Had he came to the WWE, he probably would have just came out and he would have just done a couple of his typical boring spots and been saddled with a lame gimmick. And that would have been it. I don't see Matt Morgan doing anything more than being an enforcer. I don't see him getting the belt anytime soon, only because he just, he's not, he's just not the guy you want to build around your company at this point. I really think that he's he's a passable guy, but he's not a guy that you want to build your brand around. That's just me. Christopher Daniels and Kazarian took on Chavo Guerrero and Hernandez and Kurt Angle and AJ Styles. This this complete match was a spot fest from start to finish, but there were some awesome spots. Uh, German suplexes galore. Um, Hernandez doing typical Hernandez stuff like the border toss. And of course they put the belts on Chavo and Hernandez, which is fine. I guarantee you Hernandez will turn on Chavo and feud with him. And that'll help elevate Hernandez once again into the upper mid card. This is a guy that TNA pretty much almost guaranteed would have the belt. They yank him off television and he has to kind of start from the bottom. So a feud with Chavo definitely will help him out. The match itself was solid. The knockouts title match, on the other hand, I'm glad they put the belt on Tara just because Brooke Tessmacher's wrestling is shit. I'm sorry, it really is. It is not that good. So putting it on somebody established like Tara helps. And, of course, now it allows her to bring in the guy from Big Brother that they signed, uh, Jesse Goddard, who they call Mr. Pectacular, which is a completely lame-ass nickname. Whoever came up with that should be shot on sight. But, again... You put the belt on Tara, you bring a new face up on you bring a new face to TV. It's not a complete clusterfuck. Now the no DQ match with Aces and Eights, Sting and Bully Ray was It had a couple of good spots. I will tell you this. The Doomsday device with Bully Ray was cool. Um You know, Chris Parks, aka Abyss flipping out, doing some shit was cool. But Aces and Eights winning was what had to be done. This leads me to what goes down afterwards where Devon gets revealed as one of the members of Aces and Eights. And that shit was a complete fucking letdown. That's where that shit goes. All this shit with Devon and you make him a member of Aces and Eights. I can only hope that he is not the fucking leader. Because hearing Devon be a, be a heel is just, is just terrible from start to finish. You want to have him in there and be a guy that's under one of the masks, that's good. But to have him be the leader is complete garbage. I would have rather Bully Ray reveal himself to be the leader and, and turn and turns on Sting. That would have been more academic. It would have worked better. But 
Clearly, they're doing something with Devon. They've obviously lured him back. As long as he's not the leader, we'll leave it alone. And, of course, Jeff Hardy's redemption comes full circle as Jeff Hardy becomes your new TNA World Champion, beating Austin Aries in a solid match. Um, uh, really great spots. You know, we saw a, a super Hurricane Rana done. We saw an awesome brain buster that he actually, that Jeff Hardy actually kicked out of, which was pretty cool. And, of course, the academic Swanton giving Jeff Hardy the belt. Obviously doing some coke, having a kid, doing some rehab. Has done wonders for Jeff Hardy. Hopefully he's going to stay clean and continue to be a good flag bearer for the company. Like I said, the card from top to finish, a solid seven at best. Ugh. Devon Aces and Eights. Uh, Kips makes up a, a really great point. He says, when I heard about Devon being part of Aces and Eights, I was actually happy I don't watch TNA anymore. The funny thing is, TNA hasn't been that bad. But when you turn something so decent into into a complete failure with Devon, it's just it's just shit. It is complete shit. There's better things that could be done with Devon than putting him in aces and eights. But we're gonna I'm gonna take a wait and see approach right now. But his involvement, complete horse shit. Now, on the Raw front, lots of lots of solid stuff from Raw this week. Uh, most of it brought brought out by Quark and buried all the negatives, but there were some positives as well. Um, primarily, Daniel Bryan being awesome because that's that's what Daniel Bryan does. He's just the uh, the fucking man. Anything involving Daniel Bryan at this point is absolutely gold. It is five star status from start to finish. Why? Because it, it it's added a new dimension to his character. It's added relevance to Kane. It makes people actually excited and giving a fuck about Kane now. Um, the fact is, though, that you can only go so far, so hopefully once he's he's done with the whole tag team run, we can see Daniel Bryan take that gimmick and step his game up and go back into the main event scene where he belongs. Now, the thing about Raw that kind of let me down was once again three hours of television time. Let's remind you of the things that happened ten minutes ago. That's that's the only thing that kills me. The primetime players took on our, our buddies Santino Morella and of course Zack Ryder. Clearly we knew the primetime players was gonna win, but we also got to see the official branding of the three MB or the three man band or whatever you want to call it. With uh, Heath Slater rocking a, a pretty badass bucket hat. Then you got McIntyre looking like a young Undertaker. And of course, Jinder Mahal who looked like every Indian kid I went to high school with. That was fashion conscious. Which is basically, I'm going to wear designer jeans and a v-neck t-shirt and a leather jacket. With my color coordinated turban. Which makes me look like a complete bag of dicks. That's the only thing that kind of killed it. For me, if you're if you're gonna bring Mahal full circle, don't 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 make him wear the fucking color coordinated turban. Please don't. Just look stupid, and it shows that you guys continue to use the race crutch with his character. Let him be his own character. Have some fun with it. Lose the fucking turban. Seriously. And if the ass whoopings of Santino don't lead to him joining the group, then at minimum, Ryder should join the group. Give him something to do. I think Zack Ryder is at, at a stage where he needs a heel turn. 
And of course, that would obviously fuck up the name of the band and turn it into the four-man band. But you know what? I'll take what I can. Because seriously, Zack Ryder's spinning his wheels. Santino needs to get the fuck off my TV. Um, and at least these guys get TV time. Kip says, "What? what's the worst that can happen with Jinder? He gets buried, he was already there. Here's, here's the crazy thing with that statement. Jinder Mahal, his work with FCW is commended. They say that he's a fantastic heel. He works the crowd really well. But guess what? You could have fucking fooled me because the main crowd, the people that actually give you ratings, will never see that side of him. Jim Ross has said in multiple blogs, oh, Jinder Mahal is, is going to be a great heel. This, the, this man has a tremendous bright future. I understand that. But when you make him come out looking like a fucking cab driver from New York City or a dollar cab driver, it just doesn't fucking work. Give the man something else other than relying on his fucking color. It's embarrassing. Seriously. We had a handicap match with Ryback, Dolph Ziggler, and David Otunga. Let's not kid ourselves. You damn sure can guarantee that Dolph Ziggler was not eating the pinfall in this match. David Otunga served as the sacrificial lamb, which is fine, because nobody gives a fuck about him anyway. Antonio Cesaro and Justin Gabriel had a couple of miscues in their match. Um, Obviously, the match itself still delivered. Antonio Cesaro, his, his awesome European uppercut, Looked ridiculous. I'm glad that they're letting him use that. Um, the funny thing about it is that they're letting him use the European uppercut, but they're still maintaining focus on him using the gotch neutralizer. You really should build more on the European uppercut because that's a staple. It's 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 ridiculous. Yes, Swiss death is fucking nasty. Thank you, Kips. Um, Kips also reminds us that Ziggler will be killed by Ryback on main event this Wednesday, well, next next week. So we'll see if that happens. I guarantee you Ziggler will get DQ'd or run to the back or something, unless they really are trying to get Ryback over and have him pin Ziggler, but that's a separate story all its own. Matt Stryker gets himself into a predicament, courtesy of everybody's favorite, AJ Lee, and is put into a match with Kane. I actually liked what Kane did at the end, just doing a post-match interview, because again, it added a a great dynamic to Kane, and made Kane a cooler character, borrowing some cues from Daniel Bryan, makes Kane relevant, makes Kane interesting, which is good, I definitely like that, I laughed my ass off the way it was done, and hopefully they'll continue to do that type of stuff, Miz TV is hit and miss, we know what the purpose of the segment was, Kofi Kingston got utterly destroyed by The Miz in that entire exchange, which was hilarious. Kofi Kingston would later go on to serve The Miz his foot on a silver platter, but we'll discuss that in a few minutes. Sheamus and Wade Barrett went at it again for a second time in a solid match. They gave Sheamus the pin. Uh, Well, they gave Sheamus the win due to a DQ from the Big Show, but I continue to stress the fact that a feud between Barrett and Sheamus is a thousand times better than Sheamus and the fucking Big Show. I'm sorry, it's a fact. Eve Torres and Layla. Yeah, moving on. Road Scholars, awesome. Taking on my favorite poncho-wearing Puerto Ricans. Um, of course, Rosa Mendez, Fanta Girl, doing, doing what she does best. Shake her ass, yelling terrible broken Spanish taking on, of course, the awesome tag team of Sandow and Cody Rhodes. Once again, leave 
Cody Rhodes silent in the promos and let Damian Sandow just enlighten you with his, uh, with his great promos. Let him do it. Let him do that because Cody Rhodes promos are shit. Let Damian Sandow carry the, the, the larger burden of the group and let Cody deliver on the wrestling front. As for, as for my favorite Puerto Ricans, they, they just, they're just relegated to shit. And you know what the worst part is? That I love the announce team. Oh, you know, three-time World, World Puerto Rican Wrestling Federation champions. Blah, blah, blah. This, that. But you know what you do? You job them out to Ryback one week. You put them in some shitty matches the next week. And then when you want people to give a shit about them, you don't. That's how it goes. Obviously, Kofi Kingston and The Miz, we all know about this match. Uh, a completely stiff Trouble in Paradise kick caught The Miz, knocked him pretty much right back into the real world. He didn't know where the fuck he was, which was the appetizer for the main course that was the main event, which debuted on Wednesday, which was spoiled promptly by the WWE by giving Kofi Kingston the IC title uh, to go back to something that Kip said in the chat. Kofi Kingston with the belt is good. He needs it to validate his character. The Miz has established himself as a performer where he doesn't need the belt as a crutch. Kofi Kingston, though, needs the belt right now. He needs it the same way Dolph Ziggler needs that Money in the Bank briefcase. The same way Dolph Ziggler needs the belt to cement their status as main event players. Kofi Kingston without the belt is nothing. Yeah, you could give him a dozen wins as a singles competitor, but until you give him that belt... He will not have the validation he needs to be considered as a mid-card talent or potential main eventer. So solid on the WWE's part, but again, what they do after they give him the belt is what needs to be watched. Lastly, of course, we had our main event uh, promo, which of course was John Cena coming out and pretty much endorsing Ryback and Ryback and CM Punk being announced for Hell in the Cell, which ended with Ryback, of course, catching CM Punk with the shell shock. Crowd was insane for for it, which was good. We all know Ryback is not winning the belt, so please rest easy. But there's a couple of great scenarios that that could come out of it. Ryback can go crazy and throw CM Punk through the cell or something like that, like the Big Show finish they did a few years back with Stone Cold, where... CM Punk gets thrown out and retains the belt. That's one option. The other option that people tend to forget is the, the one option that's, that's blatantly there, and that is the shadow of Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar can come out, involve himself in the match, you can create a nice little uh, stable, and that'll be that. Now... With regards, Kips says, you know, it's a Hell in a Cell match, not a cage match. Even still, if you throw CM Punk out of there, you're going to find a way to get the DQ finish, or you're going to find a way to cheat your way out. The best action in Hell in the Cell sometimes happens outside of the cell. And that's fact. Yeah, you can, you can do most of the match in there, but the big spots happen on the outside. And honestly, I think a spot like that where Ryback, you know, gorilla presses CM Punk and throws him through and the cell breaks... That opens up, like I said, a Brock Lesnar run-in or maybe somebody else, and you can kind of shift the focus to Ryback's next feud and CM Punk can be kept strong. I don't think Vince McMahon is going to do the craziness of giving Ryback the belt. A lot of people are like, oh, well, you know, Vince is going to want to give people the unexpected. I don't think Ryback is at the stage where he can carry the brand as a champion. 
<laughs> Holy shit. Kips writes in the chat, the only thing I can see to end this match without a pin or submission, CM Punk shoots Ryback with a tranquilizer gun. You know what the shitty part about that is? If if Kevin Nash could use a cattle prod on Goldberg, CM Punk can shoot Ryback with a tranquilizer gun. Fuck it. I'll, I'll take it. I will take that immediately. It, if we're going to book Ryback like Goldberg, we might as well borrow that too. Fucking tra- CM Punk crawls under the ring, gets a gun from Heyman, and shoots Ryback with a tranquilizer and pins him. It would be the most ridiculous thing, but it would be hilarious nonetheless. So props to Kips for that. That would actually be kind of cool to see. Now, switching gears, going into TNA Impact. The, on- the only things I got to say about this that were remotely good were Samoa Joe and Robbie E, which was a solid match. Um, ODB and Tara, clearly they're going to start pushing ODB. Kid Cash and Gunner taking on Chavo and Hernandez, which is a, a solid um, solid matches. Again, Kid Cash is a great guy to have on your roster because he can work the strong style. He can work tag team. Plus, he can work X Division. So I, I can accept that. Daniels, Kurt Angle, and AJ Styles was exactly what you'd expect from these three performers. The only problem is they're squeezing this out way too much. Way too much. And the fact that you closed out the show with the main event being Sting and fucking Devon is is appalling on so many levels. Devon in a fucking main event is the equivalent of me taking the Wall Street Journal to the toilet and taking a long shit. Sure, it's relaxing, but it's not what I want to be doing. Same thing with TNA Impact and fucking Devon in the main event. Yes, I'd like to see Sting wrestle. No, not in the main event and absolutely not with fucking Devon. Get out of here with that shit. Simple as that. All right. That wraps up that aspect of the wrestling for this week. Let's get into some of the news. First up, there was a a signing that's been making the rounds along the web, which is the signing of Renee Paquette, who works for the Aftermath on the Score in Canada. She's got a job now with WWE as an announcer and a host. A, A lot of people are saying that it's a great signing for WWE, either because she can do color commentary or she can do backstage segments. I wouldn't mind seeing uh, a woman do color commentary in the WWE. I think it would be interesting, and it would add a very different dynamic to the announced team as it is. Obviously, we got Lawler coming back, and Michael Cole, and maybe JR will stick around. Maybe we'll throw JBL in there. But the the three-person announced team works, and throwing a woman in there would definitely be different so I'm hoping they do that. She just obviously has to get well-versed with the product. And as long as you got guys like JR there that can school her, I think that would work. You can, yeah, you could have her do the backstage interviews, but you, but for that, you have Josh Matthews and you have Matt Stryker. So I'd like to see a, a lady in the, amount, in the announce booth. So we'll see where that goes. Now, in some Blandy Borton news, we all know he was filming the new 12 rounds and he's been very vocal about wanting to work as a heel. They're saying that when he completes filming of the film of 12 Rounds Reloaded, he is going to come back as a heel and feud with Sheamus. I don't know how how well that'll work, just because, yeah, Sheamus can carry the brand, but Orton as a heel against a guy like Sheamus, who's more physical as opposed to cerebral and and promo strong, it's just not going to work. If you're going to turn Orton heel... You need him to to feud with a better face than Sheamus at this point. Like I said, Sheamus and Barrett, definitely. 
And Orton, yeah, you're going to turn Orton heel, maybe move him into something else and not not just not feuding with Sheamus because it's just going to be boring as shit. Kips is right. 100 times better as a heel, but boring. It's true. Orton's problem isn't the fact that he that he isn't a good heel. He is, but his promos are, you know, tonight I'm going to deliver the punt to someone. And it's all these long-ass, dramatic, boring, methodical fucking promos that continue to reinforce the fact that he is a complete dullard. A dullard, ladies and gentlemen. So heel, face, still boring. Doesn't matter. But as a heel, give him somebody better than Sheamus. Please. Anybody else but Sheamus. Gotta congratulate Gail Kim. She was voted the top female wrestler by PWI in their PWI Female 50. Um, Some of the reasons that she was nominated, according to the press release, well, she won the honor is because she held the Knockouts title for for 210 days. She also held the Knockouts tag team title and also had successful title defenses against Mickie James, Tara, and Madison Rain. She joins some other memorable names, including Awesome Kong, Mickey James, Michelle McCool, and Madison Eagles. So congratulations to Gail Kim. Honestly, I think Gail Kim is probably one of the better veterans that they have on there with Tara that can teach the knockouts something. The only problem with the knockouts is that they're falling into WWE Syndrome, which is giving us the same five matches every week. So be that as it may, I think that you need to do more with her and involve her more in your programming so that you can continue to build that division. Giving us, I'm glad to see ODB wrestled this week because she's, she's a great character that needs more TV time. But again, the knockouts are going into WWE Diva territory. I'm telling you, that's where they're going. Kip says in the chat that I'm sure Kelly Kelly will end up in TNA soon. If they can give her that schedule where she gets to do all her side projects, you might be right. Got to give him that. Now, let's talk a little bit about Hulk Hogan, shall we? Hulk Hogan, as we know, last week um, was contemplating legal action against Bubba the Love Sponge for the sex tape. Jay Santee called in last week and shared his wisdom on the matter. Uh, Turns out that Hogan is going forward with the lawsuit. $100 million in damages is what he is looking for. Not only, again, suing Bubba and Heather Clem, but also suing Gawker as well. He feels that it was a reasonable expectation due to his violation of privacy and countless other things that caused him issues as well. Not only that, but he feels that the tape has damaged his brand. Here's, Here's the funny thing. Bubba the Love Sponge appeared on Howard Stern, and I'll discuss that. But here's a few things. And I And I said this last week. Hulk Hogan, nobody put a gun to your head to fuck your friend's wife. No one. No one did that. You did that out of your own accord. Number two, anybody that says that Bubba had no idea about that tape, it just it, it's insane. If you have wireless surveillance and cameras throughout your entire house, you mean to tell me that you don't know what's being recorded? Number three, you came out at the end of the tape talking about what would happen if this tape got into the public eye. Unless I'm mistaken, and there's another 
chubby white guy with glasses and a bad goatee, that was you in the tape. But that's a separate story all its own. The funny thing is, $100 million in damages. We know Hulk Hogan paid Linda Hogan a fuckload of money. We know he's not making a lot of money from TNA. So seeing $100 million in damages is not shocking to me. Not in the least. What is shocking is the possibility that there are actually more tapes. That's the crazy thing. More tapes. Now, TMZ reported that Bubba went on his show and he he shared some of his thoughts, which I'm going to share with you guys. During the show, he called Hogan a self-centered man who has delusionally convinced himself that Nick was innocent in that 2007 car crash. Brooke actually has talent and that Linda is a whore. Bubba then even defended Linda during the show. These are some of the quotes that he said. I'm going to be honest with you. I have not seen the tape, including me supposedly bragging and being a horse's ass. At the end of the day, I can't even comment on the validity of the tape. Hulk could have had something to do with the leaking of that tape. Bubba also added that he let Hulk have sex with his wife, Heather, noting they all consensually agreed to it, reminding Hulk, nobody put a gun to your head. Here's the thing. You call yourself this guy's friend. Hogan called himself your friend. The fact that this tape got out, somebody between the two of you, maybe even your wife, is 100% to blame. You showing up at the end of that tape is a separate circumstance. But out of the three of you, one of you guys dropped that tape off in the wrong place and decided to leak it. Could have been Hogan. I'm not going to argue that. Could have been. But why would he do that at this point? What's the necessity? What's the end game? Bubba the love sponge, maybe he showed the tape to the wrong person. Maybe he left a copy of the tape at somebody's house. But for him to say that he hasn't seen it, 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 I have issue with that. I have issue with it because you have surveillance in your house. I have surveillance in my bedroom. That I can monitor remotely when I'm out of the when I'm out of my house, just because you know I have a decent amount of stuff, you know, hardware and things and things I don't want people fucking with, and I do have surveillance and I know it's there. Do I have it running twenty four seven? No, but in the event that I'm I have it running and I tell somebody to go into my room, I'll let them know, hey, you're on camera, just out of for whatever reason because you never know what will happen. But the fact is, somebody knew what the fucking deal was. Simple as that. So. Bubba went on Howard Stern's show. Now, here's the, here's the funny thing. Bubba the Love Sponge worked for Howard Stern. So, there is going to be some bias there. Howard Stern is also Bubba's friend. He knows what the deal is. He's not going to shit on his boy. So, some of the commentary that went on during that interview, I felt was, was basically uh, an employer-employee friendship that didn't want to be jeopardized. So... Here's the thing. Stern opened up and he said that, you know, Bubba used to tell him that Stern and Hogan were the only people he'd let sleep with his wife. Bubba said he always said that in jest because he knew Stern wouldn't do it. He said it all started at his wedding when the preacher fretted over his then wife, Heather, and they would make jokes and parodies about it. Stern went on to say that obviously she was a beautiful woman. Stern also went on to say the following man to man. He couldn't believe Bubba wanted to share his wife with another man. Bubba's response, you're probably right about that. Here's the thing. 
there has to be something wrong with you when you consciously let another guy fuck your wife. We joked about this last week. You have to be a fucked up individual to let a guy gorilla fuck your wife. Not only that, but every time, say you had, say Bubba the Love Sponge had sex with his wife that same day, and maybe she didn't get a chance to shower, or they were in the heat of the moment, and you, and and he, you know, he decided to pleasure his wife orally. You're 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 drinking Hogan's vitamins, brother. Seriously, like like there's no logic in that. There's none. There's no logic. I don't get I don't give a fuck how you how you flip it. It's not normal. Not normal. Not. And the fact that you consciously just offer your wife up, oh, I'd only let these two guys fuck my wife. It it's just not normal. There's nothing normal about it. Nothing. There's nothing normal about it. Here's the here's the other thing that I don't get. You let the guy fuck your wife. Great. Your wife actually had interest in fucking this guy, in fucking Hogan, which means that she probably had already had this planned out to get that done. What is Bubba doing with that footage? Is he cranking one out? Is he saying his prayers and taking his vitamins before, you know, like, come on. Is that it? Is that what's happening? Come on, man. This is complete shit. Anyway. You know, he, he talked about that with Stern. Um, you know, Hogan got called a scumbag for for obviously suing Bubba, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Bubba said that Hogan lived with him for three months. He said that for 15 years he's been Hogan's insurance policy to cover his ass for everything. And that's why he's angry. Of course, you know, the Nick Hogan thing got brought up. And Stern said that he would like to mediate and settle everything. Now, the funny thing is that Hogan Hogan feels his 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 you know his privacy was violated. Okay, you got it. But I do have to give Bubba the Love Sponge merit in the fact that he said nobody put a gun to your head and forced you to sleep with my wife. You did. You did. That's it. That that's all that that is all that there is to it. I don't know. I just I just feel this entire story it it almost feels like it's a wrestling angle and that you know Bubba the Love Sponge is going to be the leader of Aces and Eights in a couple of weeks and you're going to get a haha fool you played all over the air after this happens. Cuz it's it's just way way too far fetched. We joked about, you know, Bubba the Love Sponge being a cuckold last week and you know him getting off on Hogan pounding out his wife. We joked about it. Maybe that's it. Maybe it's not. Who knows? It's it's just a it's just a crazy crazy story. But as usual, as it develops, we will share all the all the meaty details. All right, let's get into the last bit of wrestling news. Super Luchas is reporting that Batista could return to the WWE for the 2013 Royal Rumble. I wouldn't be shocked about that, especially if he continues to promote his Man with the Iron Fist film, which is in theaters in November anyway. So maybe he may be a surprise entrant into the Royal Rumble, maybe one night only, maybe not. Who knows? 
For those of you wondering where Tamina is and why you haven't seen her in any of the Divas matches, she is actually injured. Last time she was on TV was August 20th. Supposedly, she suffered a back injury shortly after, and that is why Tamina has not been on television. So there you have it. Another diva that is missing that we know where she is. So that's it for this week, guys. Let's get into some video games because, honestly, there's quite a bit to discuss there as well. Let's talk video games. Of course, we had a lot of video game news coming out of New York Comic Con this past week, and I got to share some of those with you. Number one, of course, Capcom announced the return of Darksiders to Xbox 360 and PS3. Uh, You'll be able to pick that up for $15 exclusive Xbox Live and PSN. Both games are going to have new online features, including replay sharing and YouTube functionality, like most of the other HD Capcom releases now the funny thing about this is that this is going to be a trial to see if it's worth re-energizing the Darkstalkers franchise much like they did with street fighter and the release of those games they saw that that would um be the strategy for them to re-release some of the classics and later on release street fighter 4 and of course same thing happened with marvel versus capcom so it's good to see Darkstalkers back in the mix i've always liked some of the great characters on there lord raptor dimitri um donovan those guys were awesome they had great designs and it was always a shame that you never got to see them in some of the other versus titles john talbain who's a favorite of mine um the only ones you see you know morrigan always you always see her occasionally lilith but you don't see some of those other characters you you don't see jetta and um dimitri like i said uh, uh, a favorite of mine it's unfortunate but i'm glad to see darkstalkers back i'll definitely be picking that up as soon as it hits Xbox Live and PSN next year. Now, of course, with every game that comes out at this point, there's always some sort of crazy limited edition. You saw that with Slick's write-up for Bioshock. God of War Ascension is also going to be getting a special edition. The collector's edition is going to retail for $80, and you're going to get a statue of Kratos. You're also going to get a steelbook case, soundtrack, double XP and multiplayer, plus, of course, a future DLC pass, a dynamic theme for your PS3, and an Avatar pack. So if you are a God of War fan and you want to pick that up, it'll be in stores March 12th. Mass Effect fans, do not sell your games just yet. There's going to be a huge DLC pack dropping soon uh, with a a potential release date of November 27th. It's going to cost you 1,200 Microsoft points, and it's going to double the size of the DLC for the game to date. You're going to get new enemies, and you're also going to be able to use the X Omega Ruler, as well as a female Turian that can join your party. So if you are still playing Mass Effect, hold out to the end of the month, and you can bag yourself another big DLC for 1,200 points. I noticed something very crazy when I was out in a couple of stores this past weekend, including Best Buy and also Target, was some price changes for the Wii. And I said, ah, maybe they're running a sale trying to get all the units out before the Wii U drops. It seems that they're actually pulling the trigger on another price drop. The consoles will now be $129. This new configuration, it's going to be a brand new configuration at $129. You're going to get the black Wii console or the Blee, 
with Wii Sports, Wii Sports Resort on a single disc. You're also going to get a Wii Remote Plus, the Nunchuck Controller, and it's all going to be in black. This is going to be replacing the, the black Wii that comes with new Super Mario Brothers. So if you haven't picked up a Wii or maybe you want to pick it up again if you got rid of it for $129, you can bag this bundle. I honestly think at this point, maybe you want to pick it up for your kids or something like that, but with the launch of the Wii U so close, I think they just want to clear out the remaining stock that they have because most of the accessories are going to be able to be used on the Wii U anyway. But it's a pretty solid value. You get basically uh, the two games plus the Wiimote with the, the, the plus Wiimote and the Nunchuck. So you save a little dough there. 129 isn't bad. Me personally, I think I sold my Wii. How long ago did I sell that shit? I'd like to say it's been over a year and a half. I think two years since I sold the Wii. Just because it was collecting dust. But maybe I'll pick up the Wii U and we'll see what happens. Kip says in the chat that he, you know, the Wii will go down to $99 after the U comes out. He might be right. $99 would be a tremendous sweet spot, and they'd move a lot of units at 100 bucks. Definitely got to agree there. In some Deadpool video game news, of course, I shared the trailer with you guys not too long ago, not too long ago and things got quiet, but it seems that Deadpool will not be in the game alone. They're going to be also adding Domino, who, of course, was an X-Force, and we're going to have a little fun with her involvement. I think that the Deadpool game is going to be one of those games that's a sleeper, much like the Wolverine game that was based on the movie that was super violent and bloody, which was surprisingly good. I think Deadpool is going to fall in that same category and just go under the radar, but be loved by a lot of the fans. Hopefully Marvel will prove me right. We shall see. If you're playing Sleeping Dogs, there's some DLC dropping for that. On October 30th, it's going to be a horror-themed DLC called Nightmare in North Point. So be on the lookout for that. They actually announced it at Comic-Con. So if you still got Sleeping Dogs, there will be DLC at the end of the month. Now, a particular service which has been met with love and hate is the Call of Duty... Uh, Duty. Call of Duty. That's how you know I'm getting tired. Call of Duty Elite Service. We all know that that was one of the perks of picking up the elite service you get the dlc and a a ton of other stuff to enhance the gameplay it seems that with the call of duty black ops 2 that elite service is going to be free but they are gonna gouge you with the map packs the company announced that a 50 dollars season pass will give you four map packs through 2013 normally each map pack costs 15 dollars So there you go. You're going to save $10 and you're going to buy four map packs. As of right now, though, it's strange that everybody's saying that this has only been announced for the 360. There's no official confirmation yet if it's going to hit the other consoles. But as of right now, the map pack and all the other stuff are on the 360. $50 season pass, four maps. I'm sure that, you know, plus the Call of Duty Elite service as well. Zombies leaderboards. It's going to make guys very, very happy. Now, in some news that I'm sure Slick is going to be pumped about, we all know that Criterion is working on the Need for Speed series, and many of us thought that Burnout took a fall to the wayside. But uh, Criterion's director, Craig Sullivan, did an interview with The Guardian and said that they will eventually get back to the Burnout series. He said, we will make another Burnout game at some point. Obviously, we're working on Need for Speed, and we're thinking of good ideas but that may not be right for this series, but maybe at home in Burnout. 
He also said, get this, and this actually got me super pumped, that they are also working on probably making a Road Rash game. So we'll see what the deal is with that. I'm actually looking forward to seeing Road Rash back on consoles. So if Criterion's involved, it's definitely going to be good. So super pumped for that. We're going to see more Burnout and Road Rash. It's all good in my book. Now, I read something, and it doesn't happen often in my RSS feeds, but it was regarding IGN. The Wall Street Journal states that News Corp is going to sell off IGN and its related sites through an auction. This comes off the failure that they could not sell IGN for $100 million. They said that there were companies that were interested, like Break Media and Say Media, but that they did not pull the trigger on purchasing IGN for $100 million. Now they plan on selling it off through auction. IGN, I have a love-hate relationship with that site for multiple reasons. Obviously, being a site owner myself, sometimes I go to their site and I see some of the bullshit that they churn out, and it boggles my mind. But who am I to judge? The fact is that News Corp clearly doesn't want to continue supporting that particular aspect of its company branding. So IGN may be sold off to the highest bidder and hopefully it's a company that can turn it around i really would like to see the guys that that do the verge maybe purchase ign and give it a bit of that verge flair but you never know i think the verge on its own is a fantastic fantastic tech website i enjoy it greatly and i think ign needs to go back to what made it good which was providing quality game content we'll see how that pans out in the coming weeks Now, I'm sure Kips is going to get a kick out of this. THQ announced the attribute scores for the superstars and legends in WWE 13. Now, you're probably saying to yourself, all right, that's cool. I'm sure that the usual suspects are going to have high attributes. Here's the crazy part. The highest attribute in the game is a 96. 96 is the highest attribute. Now, quick show of hands. Who do you think in this entire game has a 96? Anyone? Anyone? Bueller? Bueller? Shockingly enough, John Cena, yes, slick with the gold star. John Cena is the one with the highest attribute score of 96. CM Punk, Shawn Michaels, Stone Cold Steve Austin, and Attitude Era Undertaker rank 95. Crazy, crazy enough that Triple H was nowhere near that. Now, Let me share a couple of notable attribute scores. Make a case for them if you will. Dispute them if you want. Antonio Cesaro got ranked 84. Bret Hart got 94. Brock Lesnar got 92. Cactus Jack got 90. So did Chris Jericho. Attitude Era Chris Jericho got 89. Cody Rhodes got ranked attribute score of 88. Damian Sandow, 84. Daniel Bryan got a 91. DDP and Dolph Ziggler both got 89. Eddie Guerrero got 92. Grandmaster Sexay got 84. And the Great Khali got 84. Hunter Hearst Helmsley got 88. JBL got 89. Jinder Mahal got 83. John Laurinaitis got ranked 75. (laughs) You know, I really don't like... Being ranked solo. Justin Gabriel got an 83. Kane got an 89. And Attitude Era Kane got a 91. 
Kevin Nash got an 89. Karma got attribute score of 79. Attitude Era Lita got a 79. Mike Tyson got an 89. Mr. McMahon got an 81. How crazy is that? The Big Show got a 92. Randy Orton got a 92. Rey Mysterio got a 90. The Rock got a 93. And Attitude Era Rock got a 94. Ryback got an attribute score of 87. As much as they're as high as they are on Ryback, 87 just seems way too low. <laughs> Shane McMahon got an 82 ranking. Shawn Michaels got 95. Stephanie McMahon got a 74. Sinkara got an 87. Triple H got a 93. And Attitude Era Triple H got a 92. Val Venus got an 85. Vader got an 87. So did Wade Barrett. Yoshi Tatsu got an 81. So there you have it. Some of the attribute scores obviously are questionable, and I'm sure people are going to complain. Like Alberto Del Rio got an 89, and Animal from the Legion of Doom got an 87. But yet, you take a guy, you take a guy like Chainsaw Charlie, who was Cactus, um, who was Cactus Jack's tag team partner, and was of course Terry Funk. He got an 86. But yet, Attitude Era Edge got an 88, but Regular Edge got a 91. And yes, Yoshitatsu did get higher than Stephanie McMahon. Yes, Stephanie McMahon was a 74. Primo was an 81. Natalia was a 77, which I'm shocked that they had her and Nikki Bella so close. Nikki Bella was a 76. So, oh, how can we forget? Regular Mark Henry got an 89 and Attitude Era Mark Henry got an 87. Now, here's the funny thing about this game, which we've all talked about before. Look at how many characters are double and triple dipped. Chris Jericho, you got regular Chris Jericho, Attitude Era Chris Jericho. Same thing with Christian. Um, same thing with Edge. Farouk, which of course is also in there as uh, Ron Simmons. Am I right? No, he's just in there as Farouk. Um, Hunter Hearst Helmsley, we got Attitude Era Triple H, Hunter Hearst Helmsley, and The Game. So, three versions of Triple H in there. Two versions of John Cena. Of course, you got Rapping John Cena, which is aptly titled John Cena 04. Then you got regular John Cena. You got Kane and Attitude Era Kane. Same thing with Mark Henry. You got two of those. You got two of The Rock. One Stone Cold. Th- uh, two Undertakers right now. It's Slots that could be used for some better characters. I guess you're going to have to use create a superstar. So there you have it. I actually don't mind like Doctor of Thugonomics, John Cena. It's kind of cool just to use that. Maybe have him come out with it, with the throwback jerseys, have a little fun with that. But it's not necessary. And honestly, I wouldn't even have wasted a character slot. Just use a, a, a wardrobe change. It's ridiculous. In some other gaming news, Sega's bringing out a couple of classic titles based off the Model 2 arcade system. I'm actually looking forward to some of these because some of them I actually would like to play again. Virtual Fighter 2, Fighting Vipers, and Sonic the Fighters will be out in Japan for 800 Microsoft points. Of course, I'm sure that they will release it here in the U.S. at some point. We'll see what the deal is. They're also going to be releasing Virtual Striker and Cyber Troopers Virtual On. There hasn't been a U.S. date yet, 
but I'm sure we will see it. Honestly, I'm just pumped to play Fighting Vipers. That was a uh, that was one of my favorites, and Virtual Fighter Two is always a classic. Kip says that he'd like to see the debut John Cena. Ah, yes, I remember Ruthless Aggression John Cena, aka the prototype, aka the most badass dude that just slapped people to display his ruthless aggression. He had the worst shorts ever. I remember that debut John Cena. Kip's uh, sidetracking me with that trip down a uh, memory lane. But yeah, debut John Cena wouldn't be bad. Obviously, uh, zombie Chris Benoit and regular Chris Benoit with uh, the Bible and pillow smothering options will most likely be available in Create a Superstar mode. Just figured for those of you that were interested in that, you probably can do that in the Create a Superstar mode. There you have it. If you're offended, fuck you very much. Anyway, that wraps up the wrestling segment for this week. Let's get into the entertainment segment because there is much to discuss, including a lot of what-the-fuck movie news. Let's get into it. Alright, first up, a movie that I just have absolutely no interest in seeing seems to have gotten the green light. Get this, it's a movie titled Grudge Match, which is a boxing film. Uh, Kevin Hart is a member of the cast, and he's going to play a fight promoter that gets two retired brawlers back in the ring for one last showdown. You will not believe who are playing the boxers. Sylvester Stallone and Robert De Niro. I kid you not. Robert De Niro and Sylvester Stallone are the guys that are going to be the aged boxers in this film. The amount of ridiculousness is is running rampant. That's for damn sure. But it it did get the green light, so we will see it at some point. Is it going to suck? I'm sure. <laughs> Who all I heard when you said zombie was a bunch of silence. Ugh. Anyway, moving on for a, a couple of weeks ago, well, not even a couple of weeks, I'd like to say already going on a month or two, I did a Netflix Q review of the movie Drive with Ryan Gosling. Uh, Ryan Gosling and, and that movie was complete fucking lunatic, but the movie is a love-hate relationship, not only for me, but for countless other people that watched it. Some people complained about the pacing, some people just complained about Ryan Gosling being a complete tool bag. Make make take it for what it's worth. But there was a, a possibility of a sequel that was brought up, and it will not be happening. The directors actually said that the character from Driver may pop up in another film, but it will not be a sequel. He may just show up in another movie, which is fine. I think that the character itself can be used in another genre. I maybe do something where the driver shows up in the transporter. It's stupid, but. If you're going to go that route, at least it adds a little a little bit of a different dynamic. Honestly, this movie didn't deserve a sequel, and it sure as fuck doesn't need one. But the fact that they're going to use the character elsewhere is is worth is worth keeping keeping an eye out for. I'd like to see how that pans out. For those of you that are fans of the Goon comic, which I used to read back in the day, I, rem- I was very excited to hear that they were going to do a movie based on the Goon, but it seems that they have pulled the plug on it, and it's gotten a second life via Kickstarter. Uh, Kickstarter uh, is is going to be funding the project. As of right now, the goal is to raise $400,000. 
to create the story reel with the music and the sound effects and also to get the film in into major distribution. Clancy Brown would have uh, is going to voice the goon and Paul Giamatti would be voicing Frankie. So I think I think it's actually kind of cool that they're going to go the Kickstarter route. The goon, when I saw the trailer, I actually think I shared it on the site, had tremendous potential. I was bummed to hear that it just wasn't getting done. So hopefully the Kickstarter comes through. It'll raise uh, $400,000 and they'll be able to get the goon to the silver screen. In some other news, we know that the Masters of the Universe has been on the table a couple of times getting the reboot treatment. It seems that it actually is going to move forward. I'm going to talk a little bit about that later on in the segment. I am interested to see what John Chu does with it. And there's a couple of things with regards to that that he actually shed a little bit of light on. So for some reason, my notes aren't refreshing. So I'm going to get into that in a few moments. There were a ton of announcements, though, at Comic-Con with regards not only the G.I. Joe, but also some of Marvel's properties as well. Um, we're going to get two animated series courtesy of Marvel, of course, Avengers Assemble and Hulk and the Agents of Smash. Those are going to be debuting in the Marvel Universe block on Disney XD this summer. Uh, a lot of great voice talent involved. Adrian Pastar from Heroes is going to be voicing Iron Man. Um, Fred Tatsiori is going to be voicing uh, the Hulk, which he already had done in another vid- in another animated film, uh, Roger Craig Smith from Wreck-It Ralph is going to do Captain America. Travis Willingham is going to do Thor. Troy Baker, who worked with Ultimate Spider-Man, is going to do Hawkeye. Laura Bailey will be voicing Black Widow. And Bumper Robinson from the game will be voicing Falcon. So you're going to get to see Falcon in Avengers Assemble, obviously adding weight to the fact that we'll be seeing Falcon in probably Avengers 2. Also, we already know he's going to be appearing in the Captain America movies as well. Now, Hulk and the Agents of Smash borrows a little bit from the World War Hulk and the Planet Hulk storylines. Of course, you got the Hulk in there. Clancy Brown is going to be doing voice work as Red Hulk. Eliza Dushku is going to be voicing She-Hulk. Ben Diskin, he's going to be the voice of Scar, who is son of the Hulk. And Seth Green is going to be voicing A-Bomb, who is um, another another version of the Abomination. So it's going to be interesting to see. I think that the Hulk Agents of Smash is going to catch on just because the Hulk is a very kid-friendly character. Kids like to to you buy a lot of Hulk stuff. I've seen it, especially in Target, the Hulk hands, all the different versions of the Hulk that make the noises. I usually see them being purchased more so than characters like Thor or even Captain America. Usually Iron Man and the and the Hulk are the guys that go off the shelves the quickest. Avengers obviously going Avengers Assemble and doing something new with the with the series is fine. I actually like the last Avengers series that they did. I thought it was really good. They did a really great job of bringing it together and adding a lot of different characters and borrowing a lot of elements from the books. But to see them going this route, obviously they want to tie it into the movies and bring that cast of characters to the front lines, which is fine. We'll see how well it fares. Obviously, I'm sure they're going to sell a fuckload of toys for it, but it's 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 typical Marvel stuff. Got to put out new cartoons before the movies come out. In some other Marvel news, they started shedding some light on the Shield TV series, and mo- many of you will be happy to know that Agent Coulson will be returning as uh, reprised, of course, by Clark Gregg. So it's very interesting to see how they're going to do it. 
how Coulson's going to be involved, considering that Loki killed him in the Avengers. Spoiler alert if you didn't know that. Um, they're saying he could be using a flashback scene, maybe just for the pilot. Maybe they might retcon it that he didn't die. Maybe they'll say that Loki killed a life model decoy, which would actually be pretty cool. I'd like to see that. But um, nobody, we all know most people in Marvel don't stay dead with the exception of Uncle Ben. And I'm shocked that they don't pull the trigger one day and bring back Uncle Ben because that's how crazy shit goes. But Agent Coulson being used on the small screen series of S.H.I.E.L.D. would add um, a dynamic to make people want to check it out. I think his character was one of the characters that got uh, the least the least screen time but delivered the most the most pivotal lines throughout the movie, especially his his interactions with Captain America were really, really good. And his interactions with um, Tony Stark and Iron Man 2 were also good as well. I think very underappreciated character, and hopefully the TV series will shed some light on that. And who knows, maybe we'll get a couple of cameos from some other characters as well. But the crazy thing is, coming out of Comic-Con, it wasn't just Marvel that was dropping news on us. DC shed light on a couple of projects they're working on, including a Lego Batman movie uh, based on the Lego Batman game, DC Superheroes United. So that's going to be a CG animated feature that's going to be out. And it's going to be set, of course, in the Lego Batman universe. I know kids are going to eat that up immediately. Also announced they're going to be doing the Dark Knight Returns Part 2. And they're also going to work on Superman Unbound, which is going to borrow from the Jeff Johns, Gary, Gary Frank, Brainiac story. Which I want to see how well they do that. And Justice League Flashpoint as well. They're going to borrow, of course, from the New 52 stories. So DC is definitely bringing it in terms of animated features. I think they've done tremendously awesome work with the stuff they've put out, especially, you know, Dark Knight Returns is is just amazing. And some of the other ones, uh, Justice League Doom, I really liked. Um, you want to go further back, Batman Mask of the Phantasm has always, been one of my, has always been one of my favorite films. So it's good to see DC stepping their game up, giving us a couple of different takes on some of their good characters. And not only that, but not keeping it 100% kid-friendly. I like that they are... Uh, definitely digging into the the more darker sides of the characters, especially with the Dark Knight getting the animated treatment. They're doing a really good job with that stuff, so hopefully that trend will continue going forward. The only thing I wish is that, D, that DC applies those same creative energies to their live-action films, and maybe then we'll start getting somewhere. Let's get into some box office totals. Taken 2 kept the number 1 slot, $22.5 million. Argo was number two. Sinister was number three. Hotel Transylvania was four. Here Comes the Boom was five. Pitch Perfect was six. Frank and Weenie came in at seven. Looper was eight. Seven Psychopaths was nine. A lot of people are telling me that that movie's very funny. Got to try and check it out when I get a chance. And Finding Nemo 3D was ten. I did get a chance to wander into superhero hype earlier this week to check out what people were saying regarding RoboCop. Obviously, we've been talking about the RoboCop remake, and of course, people are clowning the suit and all this other stuff, but RoboCop is actually getting a custom motorcycle as well. Um, there's pictures floating around on the web. It looks pretty cool. I'm not 100% sold on the whole RoboCop reboot, but they're trying to give a fresh spin on it, and honestly, I wasn't sold on the Dread reboot either, and it was surprisingly good, so... Look, I wasn't happy about the whole RoboCop thing to begin with, but 
who knows? Maybe it won't be a complete steaming pile of shit, especially with guys like Gary Oldman, Michael Keaton, Sam Jackson involved, uh, Michael K. Williams. There's a there's a solid cast of good actors involved in this film that will not make it completely suck. One thing I did I did find out this week that I was pleasantly surprised is that they cranked out a release date for Ant Man. Edgar Wright's Ant Man joins the Avengers for release in 2015. November 6th is the date, so mark that on your calendars if you're interested in watching a film about a hero that turns into an ant. Not even an ant, so to speak, but that can communicate with ants and become as small as one. It's either going to be really good or be the low point of Marvel's Phase 2 uh, phase two version of film. So we'll see what happens. I'm not, I was never sold on the Ant-Man character, but who knows? You could do the, the, the Giant Man thing. You could bring the Wasp in. You could create Ultron, which you never know. We could go that route. We might see Ultron in a future Avengers film, maybe the Vision. You know, for as much as I don't think the character is worthy of getting um, a film, I do think that some of the the things that he adds to the stories in general may carry over very well. So we'll see where that goes. Transformers 4 is starting to pick up some steam for a couple of reasons. Number one, they're saying that they're going to do a new lead that is going to be female. And they're also going to add another character that is a race car driver. Another funny thing regarding Transformers that came that came out this week was something regarding uh, Hugo Weaving. And basically he said that he, he really didn't give a shit about working on Transformers. Here's exactly what he said. That's a weird job for me because I honestly... It honestly was a two-hour voice job. Initially I was going to play and I actually didn't have time. Anyway... It was one of the things I've ever done that I had no knowledge of. I didn't care about it. I didn't think about it. They wanted me to do it. In one way, I regret that a bit. I don't regret doing it, but I very rarely do something if it's meaningless. This role was meaningless to me. Honestly, I don't mean that in a nasty way. So, pretty much Hugo Weaving said, yeah, I did it for a paycheck. I could give two shits about the movie, but whatever, I did it anyway. So... The crazy thing was Michael Bay took offense to that. And for once, Michael Bay, we, he kind of put it out there in a way that, you know, I, I kind of agree with him. And it's the fact that, and, and you can definitely put this under what the fuck movie news, Rich agreeing with Michael Bay. It's the fact that you're hired for a job. People see something in you that makes you um, a, a logical candidate for a character. Now, when you look at Transformers, you look at memorable voice talent. You know that Frank Welker is legendary as Megatron. And, of course, Peter Cullen as Optimus Prime. I always wondered why they decided to go with a guy like Hugo Weaving versus going with a guy like Frank Welker, who's, who's me- who he embodies Megatron. So it, it saddens me to see a guy that was given an opportunity to voice an iconic villain to just really not give a fuck about it, and for all intents and purposes, shit on his portrayal of that character. So, Michael Bay, he posted the following. He didn't really shout him out directly, but it definitely referenced him. He says, and I quote, Do you ever get sick of actors that make $15 million a movie, or even $200,000 for voiceover work, that takes a brisk hour and 43 minutes to complete? 
and then complain about their jobs? With all the problems facing our world today, do these grumbling thespians think people reading the news actually care about trivial complaints that their job wasn't artistic enough or fulfilling enough? I guess the Hollywood Reporter thinks so. What happened to the people who had integrity, who did a job, got paid for their hard work, and just smiled afterward? Be happy you even have a job, let alone a job that pays you more than 98% of the people in America. I have a, a wonderful idea for these whiners. They can give their unhappy job money to a wonderful elephant rescue. It's a David Sheldrick Wildlife Trust in Africa. I will match the funds if they donate. See, I like, I like what Michael Bay did there because it's true. Think about this. You're getting paid $200,000 for an hour and 45 minutes of voice work. $200,000. Would Frank Welker have gotten paid the same amount of money? Who knows? But you're voicing a character that is iconic in every sense of the word. Regardless of whether you love the Michael Bay films or you hate the Michael Bay films, the fact are that there are certain voice talents that brought those characters to life, not only for, from our childhood, but are just associated automatically with those characters. Peter Cullen is one. The late Chris Latta is another. And Frank Welker is another. And to see Frank Welker not even get the opportunity to voice the big screen version of his iconic character was a travesty. And then you give it to a guy like Hugo Weaving, who was a good actor, and just says, oh, it wasn't artistic enough. Yeah, it wasn't artistic enough, but you probably made uh, $200,000 for your non-artistic work. I love voice work. I wish I had the opportunity to do it more often. Just because... It's, it's such a fun thing to do that you can just go into this job in your pajamas and deliver lines for, for a character that may live on forever. Because think about it. Your Megatron, the character of Megatron, will live on long after Hugo Weaving is, is relevant. So for him to be part of that, it, it's an honor. Transformers is something that has come such a long way from our childhood, whether it's in the big screen or the small screen, and we always know those iconic voices. Optimus Prime, especially. Second, by, by Starscream. Chris Latta, his work on with Starscream and Cobra Commander, those are, those are voices that are so iconic that you can just never forget. Same thing with Megatron. Now this guy, he's like, oh, you know, I, re I really didn't give a fuck about it. I honestly have to agree with Michael Bay. If you hated the job so much, give the money away. Seriously, just give the shit away at this point if you're not happy. It's fucked up, but it's true. Your other bit of what the fuck movie news is, get this, the Need for Speed movie is actually moving forward with Aaron Paul from, Bake, from Breaking Bad. You guys know him as Jesse. He's going to be the lead in this film. It's going to be directed by Scott Waugh, who did Act of Valor, and they will begin filming it next year with an expected release date of February 7th, 2014. The other bit of what the fuck movie news, the Scarface remake. You guys know how much I, I thought this was going to suck initially. Well, they are actually moving forward. Deadline reports that um, Paul Antanasio from Quiz Show has been assigned to rewrite the movie, and... They're going to pretty much do a complete, fresh take on it. And it's going to borrow elements from not only the original film by Howard Hawks, but also Brian De Palma's uh, Al, Pacino remake, uh, Al Pacino remake as well. 
There's no, there's no reason to bring Scarface back. Leave it alone. Howard Hawks had his interpretation, which I saw. It actually came packed in the limited edition Scarface box. And, of course, Al Pacino as well. I don't think there's any actor out there right now that can bring the same level of ferocity and just, just swagger to the Tony Montana role. I'm sorry, there's not. Leave the shit alone. And the other bit of what the fuck movie news, get this, Ernest P. Worrell. Yeah, you guys know, hey Vern, it's Ernest. Yeah, that. Well, they're trying to bring Ernest back with a franchise reboot titled Son of Ernest. I have no idea why they're going to do this. It is just, it is just terrible. It is terrible. They, and they say the following. Ernest struck a nerve, one we are going to revisit. We plan to honor the originals and Jim Varney while birthing a new chapter that lies somewhere between not sucking and earth-shatteringly funny. Here's the thing about the, the Ernest movies. They were funny because they were straight-to-video or late-night cable movies. You really expect people to go to a theater and pay $12 to watch the son of Ernest stink up the theaters? Are you fucking serious? I, I'd, rather, I'd rather watch chimpanzees fuck through, through blurry glass at the Bronx Zoo than sit through an Ernest movie. It's, it's ridiculous. I'd rather have that shower glass, that real blurry shower glass that you put for privacy, and, and watch two monkeys possibly having sex on the other side than watch Ernest. You hear that? Ernest P. Worrell. Please, please. I understand, Hollywood, that there's just nothing out there. But this, this is complete shit. Really is. Complete shit. Now, as I mentioned earlier, John Chu, of course, he is working on the G.I. Joe sequel. But he will also be directing the new Masters of the Universe film. He said that at first, you know, John Chu said in his interview with Celeb Buzz that he was skeptical. He read the, he read the script, though, and it blew him away. It was, a, it was an unexpected approach, and he was immediately intrigued. He did say he collected the toys growing up. He had Castle Grayskull. He had Battle Cat. So he is familiar with the characters. But he says that there's definitely a way to do it to where he will give those characters justice. He went on to say, don't get me wrong, I love the 80s movie for full nostalgic reasons, but this script feels like it's a totally different genre than that one. So, we'll see what the deal is. Obviously, G.I. Joe Retaliation will be in theaters March 29th, 2013, and then we shall see if he really embraces Masters of the Universe and whether it's going to be a complete festering pile of shit or whether it carves out a new niche where a new audience can become familiar with He-Man, Skeletor, and the rest of the crew. We'll see how that pans out. Well, the last couple of bits of news that are left are, uh, yes, Heathcliff. Remember Heathcliff from the cartoons that we used to watch on Channel 11? Yeah, that's getting a movie too. Why? I don't know. Heathcliff is such a... uh, He's kind of like... He's iconic, but he's not. He's not on that same level like Garfield or... Or, um, well, I think I said Garfield, Garfield, correction. He's not on that level. Heathcliff definitely had a fan base, but it wasn't so strong that it deserves to be brought to the, to the main, to the main stage. It's not, he's not that kind of a character. Yogi Bear, I can see. Woody Woodpecker, I can see. Heathcliff, 
not so much. Sorry, but no. It's not happening. Not. Ah, but here's some cringeworthy news. Those of you that are fans of, of the Twilight series and are, and are crying in your, in your Edward comforters that the films are not going to be... Uh, the, the universe is coming to an end when the, mo- the, the final film comes out. Get this. Rest easy because it may be getting either a reboot or a TV show. Movie Hole reports that the studio is planning to reboot the not-yet-finished series, either by doing a TV show or a spin-off film. They may just focus on Jacob and the Wolf Pack, or maybe just Jacob's Wolf Pack by itself. How crazy is it that this, these films haven't even been completed, and we're talking reboots and TV series? I understand you want to squeeze every last red cent out of the series, but to do a TV show at this point, when you got stuff already on air like The Vampire Diaries and True Blood, and you want to bring in this soft, lame vampire story... It's just not going to work. It's not going to work. And what you're going to end up doing is just souring a franchise that has made you a fuckload of money by trying to squeeze more money out of it. Leave it alone. Let the shit be done and move on. That's it. Well, that actually wraps up the show for this week. I actually thought we were going to go the full three hours. Shockingly enough, we didn't, but it was definitely a fun time this week, of course, my meltdown at the start of the show uh, set the stage for the rest of the show. Uh, props to Ben for calling in and for everybody in the chat for helping out. But it is time to get the fuck out of here. You've just heard My Take Radio episode 159 for Thursday, October 18th, 2012. If you'd like to be a guest on a future episode of MTR or have any questions or concerns, you can email me at mtrhost at mytakeradio.com. You can also call our feedback line 347-815-0687, 347-815-0MTR. Leave your voice messages there, or if you feel more comfortable uh, making a guest inquiry, we can do that. But if you don't want your messages played on air, please make sure to specify that in your message. Regarding social media, we are everywhere. The best ways to reach us on Twitter at MyTakeRadio. Become a fan on Facebook. Facebook.com forward slash MyTakeRadio. We are on MySpace for those of you that are still there. Ask us questions on Formspring and add us to your circle on Google+. We're going to be doing more Google Plus stuff in the coming weeks, especially now that we kind of have an idea on how to do some live streaming. We may start breaking out the live Hangouts. We'll see how that pans out. I tested a Hangout a couple of weeks back. It worked out a little decent, but I wasn't comfortable with the video setup. So I'm going to have to make some alterations before we pull the trigger on that. As always, you can get the official MyTake Radio app for your Android or iOS device. Get access to all the shows in 96K stereo, plus all the original programming and also mobile wallpapers and a ton of other cool shit that we have in store. You can go to Amazon for the Android application. Just go look for MyTake Radio there. And of course, for iOS, good old iTunes is your friend. Now... If you want to listen to My Take Radio, the archives, you can, of course, subscribe via iTunes. Listen to it that way. Please make sure if you are getting the shows from iTunes, you take a second and give us a rating and a review. We'd really appreciate it. You can also subscribe to the RSS on MyTakeRadio.com. But besides that, you can stream the episodes via Stitcher and 96K Stereo. 
via your mobile devices, which you can just plug into your car and listen that way. Of course, Blog Talk Radio and the Zune Marketplace. Our Futurecast Media syndication is on hold because the guy that was running Futurecast Media is dealing with some personal issues. So our syndication there is suspended for the moment. But you can also listen to the show via TuneIn Radio as well. All right, guys, I'm out of here. I will catch you guys next week. Thank you all for listening. And as usual, thank you for your support. Brawling for Boobies continues tomorrow through the month of October. And if you do want to donate, please check out the article on MyTakeRadio.com or look for the links on the fa- on the fan page. All proceeds go to Coleman for the Cure. And you can help us fight breast cancer one fighting game at a time. Peace. I think this week we are going to go out with, uh, you know what? Let's go with Final Fantasy's Omen of Geneva from OC Remix. You can get that at ocremix.org.